Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Check out our Facebook page. Uh, that would be Facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny Show. And when you do, along with seeing some pictures of what we saw as we were driving in tonight, scroll down a little bit and you will see two pictures as we call them, blast from the past photos mm-hmm. uh, that uh, have a little bit to do with uh, what we're doing tonight. There's a picture of us that was uh, taken in the late 90s with Dick Biondi. Yep. And we're going to be talking about the Dick Biondi movie tonight. And also, and Ron, you would love this. Have, have you looked at our Facebook page? Uh, not tonight, I haven't. You need to take a look at our Facebook page and the car that we were sitting in. Ah, what is it? It it was a picture taken in 1998. Now, I think we've told you that uh, for a long time we've been uh, road testing vehicles. We belong to a group called MAMA, the Midwest Automotive Media Mm -hmm. Association. 98, we were road testing the Chevy Corvette Indy Pace Car. (laughs) Wow. Purple with bright yellow leather interior and leather stripes and the picture was taken on an easter sunday and we looked like we were riding around in an easter egg yeah you know and i'm wearing a sparkly outfit that matches the easter egg and i remember we got points with the neighbor kids because we would take them one at a time yeah we let them buckle up and take them around the block and they're like oh now you know they're grown they got babies and <laughs> and a little later tonight when we're talking with uh, consumer guides tom appell I will disclose something about our experience with that car. Oh, yes. That I don't think the people from Chevy knew about. And if they'd yes. known about it, they uh, probably wouldn't have been that but happy. But it was a pace but, uh, car. It had, be, seen, yeah. it had seen things. It had been yeah. places. Yeah. Well, it, was, it was mighty it, pretty. It saw things. <laughs> it, yes, did. it did. <laughs> well, we are live and we are local right here in Chicago. And with us tonight is Ron Brown in the newsroom. And Ron, you're here for a couple more hours, right? I am, yeah. And happy to see you guys back here again. Thank you. Thank you. And we wanted to talk to you. You went to see our buddy bob kessler oh that is really really good the uh, big river uh, show at the uh, mercury theater uh, an outstanding production and yeah bob kessler's playing in the band there yeah. uh, harmonica oh. and uh, he does very very well but the the the, the crew i mean the actors they're, they're they're singers they're dancers it's top shelf it's really good it's big river the adventures of huckleberry finn roger miller it's yes. roger miller's yeah, story won all kinds that, right? of, all kinds of awards and that's really cool that it's in chicago and it's going to be here till june 4th so and, you have uh, a couple more times to see and, it. and you'll want to talk to bob because he said that roger miller's uh, was at uh, today's show i believe oh, really she came in for that and they were thrilled with that that is oh cool. man yeah yep, that, I, I was such a big roger miller fan never got to interview him but just loved just about everything he ever did yeah yeah, yeah you would love this show you can hear roger miller kind of in the lyrics you mm-hmm. know? yeah we have to go see that we have until june yeah. 4th to see it a couple more weeks and again that's at the mercury theater and suitable for the whole family it really is that kind of that kind of show mm-hmm. uh, you would agree ron oh absolutely yeah uh, all your friends and all your family should bring them out there <laughs> Good. sounds like a commercial right? yeah <laughs> bring them on out put them in a pace car and drive them all out there <laughs> right <laughs> also with us on the other side of the glass is our 
new producer. This is week number two for our buddy Julian. How are you, Julian? Hello, hello. I'm doing all right. Now, this is the dude that you also... Well, maybe you don't hear him, but you you actually experience his skills in the morning when he's with David Hochberg. That's what I'm trying to get to. Right, Julian? I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> you make the show work. I mean, you, without you turning on all the buttons, there's no way. Isn't that the title of your website? Experience, Julian. No, I like that. I'm stealing that. <laughs> That'll get him some weird, <laughs> weird feedback. Um, also with us in the studio is Bob Fakuda. Bob is the keeper of the big plug all night tonight. Yep. After Brett, then you take over, yeah. and then you are going to be riding shotgun for the rest of the night. Eh? And next week. And next week, too, because Dan is vacationing. No, he's doing... He switched. He took my days. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, how do you guys do the, like, roll dice? And you and... let him do that. Why? Yeah. Uh, you... Well, if you go by seniority, he's got me by a month, so... <laughs> Uh, details, he said he wanted details. to try days, so there he goes. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> Look at Bob's face like, yeah, your definition of fun is different than my definition of fun. <laughs> but but w- one of the very good things about working this shift is you can do what you want to do. You don't get interrupted by... Uh, during the days, anytime we were here during the day at the Tribune Tower, if they wanted to... If there was a question, anybody on there had a question about something, management had to take a meeting. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> Just give me an answer. Yeah. And so overnight, we would make up our mind, and then if it came back to bite us in the butt, we'd say, well, do you want us to call you at three in the morning? And without hesitation, they'd say, well, no, yeah, no. Maybe actually, not so much. You have a good track record. Go on. Use your gut, you know, and tell us yeah. about it afterwards, <laughs> as long as you don't get us, you know, in big trouble. So, <laughs> well, Bob, it's nice to have you along. Well, thank, thank you. you. I'm glad to be here. Keeper of the big plug, along with Brett, who is... Running around, he gets he gets lunch hour or something yeah. at this hour. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We got so much stuff coming up tonight. We're going to talk about uh, cemeteries. We're going to talk about fraud. Uh, yeah, if, oh. if you were listening to uh, Lisa Dent's show earlier this week, you heard Johnny call in, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the the fraud experience. That yes. And I'm not family the only one. was subjected to yeah bank fraud in particular yeah. what we're talking about check washing we're going to talk about that too that's a very big deal we're going to talk cars with our buddy Tom Appel and we're going to talk about a very special movie that's finally going to be yeah. shown coming up tomorrow afternoon so if you don't have anything planned for tomorrow afternoon you might want to make a point and uh, to that end our buddy Carl G Marisi from the Buckinghams yeah. will be joining us in just a few minutes so stay with us a lot more coming up at WG. I hate to interrupt BB, but I used to sing spiritual. Can I just say, young Julian has already got points. Oh yeah, big points. Because you looked at me and you were grinning from ear to ear, and I thought, oh. and I was listening, and I thought, yeah, that's BB. By the way, he's uh, mm. doing the vibrato on the notes because BB never used a Bigsby for. Okay, jargon alert. Bigsby is a vibrato that is, arm that is used on a lot of guitars. Looks like a whammy bar. That allows you to do kind of a wah 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 sound, but B.B. did that with his finger. And a listener text, and by the way, you can text us all night long at 312-981-7200. Steve, did you hear the interview that Peter Greenberg did earlier tonight with the czar from Gibson Guitar? No. 
We're going to have to look that up. Yeah. Who did he have on from uh, Gibson Guitar? Jeskowitz? No, Jeskowitz is no, no longer, longer the czar. Jeskowitz was uh, Henry Jeskowitz for many years was the head of Gibson Guitars. Mm-hmm. He was one of the people that actually rescued Gibson Guitars. Henry Jeskowitz had the personality of a brick. <laughs> we were backstage with Les Paul at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville for the uh, All-Star Guitar Night tribute to Les Paul right. that Muriel Anderson put on. Henry Jeskowitz is there. We go up. We're talking to him. And he's one of these people that as you're talking to him, his eyes are roaming around. Mm-hmm. He is not making any ki- eye contact with you. And you can tell he doesn't really want to have any contact with you. And that wasn't just us. Mm-hmm. That's how his yeah. personality was. But he worked magic for Gibson. He really, Not everything was great, I understand. I forget the name of his partner, but the two of them really did rescue Gibson. So credit where it's due. Yeah. Yeah. And but, but it was um I'm trying to think what was a, there was a whole controversy about 5 years ago with the kind of wood that was being used yeah. on some of Gibson guitars and that resulted in Henry saying bye-bye. Mhm. Well, thanks to Taxi Cab Bob for letting us know about Peter Greenberg's interview tonight. Appreciate that, Bob. Also, a listener text from Colorado, listening in tonight from Colorado. And uh, that's a perfect time for me to do a little shout-out mm-hmm. to those of you who are listening to us from all over the place. First of all, Bobby D., our buddy in Sandwich, hey, is Bobby. listening tonight. We appreciate that. Linda's in Plano, and Bob is in Barrington. Jeffrey is in Elkins, West Virginia. Also, we've got Joan in Greenville, South Carolina. And Chuck, our buddy Chuck, the best friend of WGM mm-hmm. Radio, he is in Hobart, Indiana. Uh, also, let's get around here. We've got... Um, are don't, you f- don't we have our buddy Bill White listening in California? California, Bill yeah. White, former program director yeah. at WGN. That's right. He's, he said he would be tuned in tonight. John Schultz is in t- uh, Tucson. Joe Smith tunes in every Saturday night from Nashville, and we do appreciate that, Joe. Also, Michigan City, Indiana is Sandy, and Helen's in Kenosha, and Jean's in McCoy. Wisconsin. Uh, are, are you familiar with Sweets, Sweetser, Indiana? Sweetser. Or is it Switzer? It's S W E E T S E R. I'm not familiar with it, but that's where Troy lives. And Troy, thank you for tuning in tonight. And Bob and Barrington. And speaking of Bob, the Wade twins, we know them. Sure. Uh, the Wade twins want us to know that next week they're going to be headed to Indianapolis for the Indy 500 for their. They think their 40th year to go to the Indy 500. I am so pumped about this radio station carrying the Indy 500. Uh, And not just because this radio station is carrying the Indy 500, but because I love the Indy 500. You do. And for people who say, oh, they They say it in this voice, too. So go ahead and do it. Okay. They say, why do you want to have a race on radio and cars are just going around? Okay, why do you listen to baseball on radio or People football on radio or around. hockey on radio? <laughs> hockey because on of radio, the description yeah. of what's going on and how if a good announcer yes. will get you involved with the game. I was so fortunate back in the late 60s and the early 70s. 
I spent several years down in Indianapolis working for the flagship station of the Indianapolis 500 and working with Sid Collins. And that's a name that those of you who are longtime Indy fans know. For years, Sid was the voice of the Indianapolis 500. And Lou Palmer, who was the voice of Victory Lane. And Lou can be seen in the movie Winning mm-hmm. with Paul Newman. Yep. And who else was in that? It was Paul Newman and... Anyhow, it was, it was about... It didn't matter. It was just Paul Newman. <laughs> yeah. But it was a wonderful experience. The Indy 500 is just... Yeah. As Sid Collins used to say, I think Sid coined the phrase, the greatest spectacle in racing. And mm-hmm. it really is. Yeah. And at, the first time I went to the Indy 500, the first time they do the pace lap, okay, that's cool. But then the flag goes down, and the first time they come roaring by, I mean. The adrenaline the, rush. The, the adrenaline and the hairs on my arm were just standing. Yeah. It was like, okay, I get it. Yeah. 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 Well, we do have a lot to cover tonight, uh, and uh, I just want to say before we take a break for news, Joan and Moritas off the coast of South Africa is listening right now. So, Really? Thank you, Joan. We appreciate your tuning in. She's a 714 area code, but she tells us she's off the coast of South Africa. Well, how cool is that? Yeah. So you can check in with us all night long at 312-981-7200 and stay tuned. And the Buckinghams are still going strong. And with us right now is lead vocalist and guitarist with the Buckinghams, our buddy Carl Giamarisi. Carl, how are you doing tonight? Hey, Carl. Oh, I'm, I'm doing great. Steve and Johnny, it's so good to, to hear from you guys. It's been a while. Yes, and, it has. Uh, this is great. I was trying, when you were playing Hey Baby, I was trying to figure out where that was, what what that was from, what performance, yeah. but you, you just said it, so uh, that's cool. Wasn't the Very Star nice. Plaza a great venue? I mean, the acoustics were oh. excellent, the sight lines were great. You know, we, we had, do you know that we were the longest uh, performing act play year after year consistently? Really? Which was about, I think it was 30, 31 years, I think it was. Yeah. That um, you know, we were there every year, and yeah. it was you know, it was my favorite favorite venue. Yeah. The, the acoustics were great. I just read an article uh, within the past month, and I believe it was in the Times of uh, Northwest Indiana, and they were talking about how what a waste that was because remember there was all the publicity about we're going to tear down the Star Plaza and build this big complex. Okay, they tore down right. the Star Plaza. Nothing has been yeah. built, and nothing is going to be built. So you just lost a wonderful venue for Northwest Indiana. Oh yeah, uh, it, it was it was fabulous. I mean, we we had played there, like I said, for, for you know probably over thirty years. Hmm. But uh, and, and you know we you know people would make a weekend of it. They would come and yeah. stay at the hotel. Yeah, and uh, come to the show, and it was uh, more you know more family oriented too because mm-hmm. you know you had people came with their families, and, and uh, it was a great venue. And, well, uh, I, I will never know, forget the, the night that Johnny and I saw Jerry Lee Lewis and Fats Domino at the Star Plaza, and we were staying mm-hmm. there for the weekend. So after the concert, we're in the elevator, we're going up to our rooms, and a couple of the guys from Fats's band get on the elevator. And we're riding up, and the door opens, they get off, and we smell something. We said, what's that? And they said, oh, Fats always keeps a hot plate in his room. 
He's making dinner right now. Beans and rice. Beans and rice. I was like, oh, can we just go in just for five minutes? <laughs> well, speaking of great well, venues. We just, we just came from uh, playing up at the uh, in Clear Lake, Iowa, at mm-hmm. the Surf Ballroom. Yeah. Which, uh, that's a very historical sure. venue. Of course, yeah. that's where Buddy Holly and Richie Valens and the Big Bopper lost their lives in a yeah. plane crash. You know, and it's, that, uh, that was their last concert. It's, yeah. it's a wonderful uh, venue still, and the ballroom, and we had, gosh, a couple thousand people there the last Friday night. And, wow. Uh, when you step on a stage like that, do you get, I know you don't get nervous, because you've been doing this long enough, but when you step on a, a historic stage like that, do you get a different feeling? Um, yeah, because I knew the significance of that, of what happened, and, you know, there's so much uh, there that reminds you of it, too. Yeah. You know, they've got a big mural of Buddy Holly and Richie Valens and the Big Bopper, and, and uh, you know, and, and it's it, it just it gets you thinking. I wouldn't say I was nervous, but I, I was kind of excited, you know, mm-hmm. just to... Uh, and, uh, and and you know you know and, and it's kind of hard to decide if you should even bring it up and talk about that yeah. You know, yeah during the show which I didn't you know but uh, but it, it's it's a great place still is a great place to perform and to play and we've been there before mm-hmm. uh, but uh, yeah that's uh, it's great you know well speaking but, of uh, we're still going the Buckinghams are yeah. still going strong and, uh, you know we'll. Uh, you know, I, I, it's, well, tomorrow I will be at uh, Ronald Nesty's uh, Displains Theater uh, just to support uh, Pam Police and uh, right. as she presents her documentary film, uh, of The Life of the One and Only Dick Biondi. Right. So, I, w- uh, I was going to say, as, as we talk about uh, great venues locally, thankfully, we've got Ronald Nesty who's yeah. made a couple yes. of venues uh, almost legendary. He, because, and he has refurbished yeah. some, some historic yeah. venues. And uh, we, we knew him well from uh, the location in St. Charles, the Arcata, and then he took on right. the Displains Theater. And again, you talk about a place where you can feel comfortable and you, you know, you're not crammed in and the acoustics are good and the sight lines are great. And and he just continues to to bring in unbelievable yeah. well, talent. He's done so much for 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 the you know for our, our genre and yeah. the industry too and and you know I was just at the Arcata we just performed there uh, on Mother's Day mm-hmm. as you know with uh, with uh, Danny Serafin from mm-hmm. Chicago uh, it was yeah. a great show yeah from Chicago original drummer from mm-hmm. Chicago mm-hmm. and uh, so it you know it's it's great that uh, that he's got that going you know but um, but you know we, we're just going along here and. Uh, Buckingham, you know, have a fairly busy summer, and I'm I'm just uh, grateful I'm not on the Happy Together tour this year. Oh, that's <laughs> grueling, is that? It's really uh, tough, right? Because you're just going from one yeah, city to the next, and it's a lot of travel. Yeah, it's, you know, yeah. You play fifty-eight one-nighters. It's wow. Uh, it's you know, and you're traveling three, four hundred miles a day. Oh. You know, it's. It's uh, it beats you up. Yeah, so, uh, that doesn't you know, even it, that, that it, doesn't it, sound like fun at all. It's <laughs> kind of like the early days of rock and roll uh, bus tours, like the old Dick yeah, Clark yeah. tours when they yeah. were, they would be on buses and traveling yeah. hundreds of well, miles. It's a great tour. I can't say anything. Mm-hmm. The audiences you get to play for, they are so receptive and, and responsive, and the venues are wonderful. And when you're up there on stage playing, it, it's just great. It's it's just the traveling that uh, yeah. that beats you up. You know, it's pretty hard. But tomorrow, you're going to be involved with something. We've had so many people asking us, 
when is the Dick Biondi film going to be released? And apparently tomorrow is a very special day for the Dick Biondi film. Right. I'm, I'm not sure if she's, uh, I, I think she's just previewing part of it tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a sneak peek to give us a to to whet our appetite because when we mention this, people say, "You mean we get to see it finally?" Well, God bless her. Pam has worked tirelessly to make this happen. Oh my gosh, she has some years, literally for years. Fundraising, and we've we've all done all we could to help her. Yeah, uh, along the way, but uh, you know, hopefully, it's coming to a head now, and she's. uh, you know, I'm going to be there with uh, the one and only. I've, I've got to mention that Ronnie Rice. <laughs> of course. Because he, he called me up today. He said, you better mention that I'm going to be there. So I said, okay. okay. But, um, so Ronnie Rice and Ray Graffia from the yeah. Colony, mm-hmm. Colony 6 will also be there with me. Well, when you see Pam, ask her for us if you could. Uh, we had talked with her a couple of years ago. She was very interested in an interview that we did with Dick several years ago. We had Dick in the studio for hours. Oh, several hours, uh-huh. and she wanted to know if she could uh, have access to that uh, that interview. And we checked with management here at WGN, and the answer is absolutely yes. So mm-hmm. anything that you would want to use in uh, for for well, audio cups, definitely. Yeah, uh, chances yeah. are she's listening in tonight, but yeah. I will I will bring that up uh, when I see her tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I can't say enough. I mean, we all know Dick Biondi's history, and he deserves all the accolades. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, we truly love the man. You know, what he did, uh, you know, the term radio personality is, uh, the, the word personality is, mm-hmm. you know, is gigantic when you're t- talking about him, because that's the kind of person he was. And uh, You know, he was, like I said, we all know Dick's history, but me personally, I mean, he's been a part of my my whole musical career mm-hmm. I mean, since the beginning. You know, I remember him in 65, 67, 60, you know, when we were, started recording, and he was so supportive, and then when things turned around again, and we, we came back and reformed the band in, in the 80s, and he was there with WJMK, I think it was, mm-hmm. and he'd come out to shows all the time, and, you know, I was, I always participated in his Christmas toy drive, which was always special, you know, and that, you know, always wanted to sure. be there for him. And, well, and uh, you know, I was going to say, funny too, I, I wouldn't see him for a while, and then I'd finally run into him, and he'd always say, the first thing he'd say was, are you mad at me? Oh, I don't yeah. know what he meant by that. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Are you mad at me? You know, yeah. he's just such a, such a big supporter of, yeah. you know, the, the, back in the day, you know, DJs, uh, radio personnel, you know, they, they can make or break a song. Absolutely. I mean, were, oh, sure, sure. sure. It made all the difference in the world. And he was one of those guys that uh, he was be so supportive and, and, and helped us so much. Yeah. Carl, hold hold your thought. We're going to take a break and come back. And Dick is still around, may very well be listening tonight. And Ronnie Rice, you should know better. You're a member of our family. We would never, ever overlook you. So Ronnie's going to be out there tomorrow at the Desplaines Theater with Carl at, for a little sneak of the Dick Biondi film. Dick Biondi was, uh, he was Chicago radio yes. when uh, the once began. 89 hit in the early 60s after that he spent some time in new york with mutual and then he also was out on the left coast uh for a while and then he came back and he was at uh cfl 
for a while here right. in Chicago, and yep. then all over the place. But introduced the Beatles, yeah. introduced yep. the Stones, played the first Beatles song on yeah, any radio right. station. When and he Dick was out in L.A. Yeah, Dick Biondi show was the first time I ever called into a radio station <laughs> to make a request. <laughs> oh gosh! Uh, but seriously, when you hear on top of uh, oh pizza, you think really? You mean that? Yeah, that was part of the shtick. That was the fun of Dick Biondi. Yeah, we're talking with Carl G. Mauricio of the Buckinghams. And, and Carl, you were mentioning how how Dick says, are you mad at me? Let me tell you one other story about Dick. This was uh, when Johnny and I had Dick in the studio for a couple hours. Yeah. And this is Dick Biondi. I mean, we, we have idolized him all of our life. He walks in, he's got a suit and tie, and he had notes, and we could see he was nervous because Dick Biondi is a performer. This yeah. was, a, it's an interview, but it was yeah. going to be a performance. Yeah. And he is wonderfully um, real. Yeah, he's as real as it gets. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, th- that's what we loved about him, and that's why we want this movie to become a reality. The Dick Biondi film. Let's get the information out, Carl. So you're going to be there tomorrow yeah. with Ronnie Rice at the Displays uh, Theater, and it. Yes. We should tell people the doors are going to open at 1. Everything's going to start at 2. So don't come walking in there at, you know, 2.15. Get there at 1 o'clock, right. right? Yeah, yeah. 1, one thirty. I think that's that's when they're expecting everybody to show up. Okay. And, um, you know, we'll be there. You know, we're going to be signing some guitars. They're going to have, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, we all get to talk a little bit and say say some things about Dick and which would be really nice and mm-hmm. deserves it. Wait a minute. Let me hold you on what you just said. A lot of time. Let me hold you on what you just said. You're going to be signing some guitars. Is there going to be a guitar auction by any chance? Uh, yeah. yeah I <laughs> well, I need auction. to find out more about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's for a good cause. So I, would agree yeah. with, I would agree with you. Yes, it's for a very yeah. good cause. <laughs> yes. But, uh, you know, he's... Um, Wow, you know, I mean, I, I, it's been a while now since I've had the opportunity to see Dick, but he's he's out there, and I know he's. Uh, people tell me that he's doing well, yeah. he's doing great, and, yeah. and uh, that's good to hear, you know. But um, uh, you know, we we all are so supportive, and you can't do enough for him because what he's done for us. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I've got so many personal stories I won't get into it, but he was always just so gracious and so willing to support us and uh uh you know i remember even back in the day when i was uh, trying to get uh, my tufano and g marisi band off the, the you know off the ground and, and he even played some of our songs on the air you mm-hmm. know that uh, mm-hmm. weren't even hits you know just trying to help us uh get going you know but uh but you know he always you know he did many many shows he joined us uh when we did concerts around yeah mainly around chicago you know and uh, he was always there for us, you know. And, uh, well, I think and, it's uh, I think it's fair to say that all of us involved in this conversation have been significantly influenced absolutely. by Dick Biondi. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, again, we want to see this movie completed so that he can actually see the movie. Yeah. Uh, that would be just a thrill. So many people have worked to see that this becomes a reality. And Pamela Poulos has just, she's given her blood, sweat, and tears for years to make this happen. Mm-hmm. So come out tomorrow, Sunday, at uh, doors are going to open at 1. Everybody's going to be gathering about one thirty, as Carl said. And showtime is 2 o'clock. It's going to be a sneak 
peek, a sneak preview right. of some of the movie, um, the Dick Biondi film. And you can get details on it at dickbiondifilm.com, or you can click from our page, or you can click from Carl's page. And Carl, sometime right. this summer, we want to get you in the studio so we can play some more Buckinghams. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll definitely do that. Okay. I, I, I miss I miss that. I what? miss uh, the opportunity to actually be in in there with you guys in the studio. That would be great. Thank you so and much for being a part of Dick's story. Busy uh, summer, but uh, you know, there's always time. All right, we'll figure it out. Time. We'll do it. Thank yeah. you, Carl. Great Take to care. talk to you, Carl. Tell tell Pam we said hi. More coming up. Stay with us at WGN. I, I'm putting on the partly personal. Mm-hmm. Light. Okay. Because for this next next segment, this is uh, a partly personal slice of our life from the past week mm-hmm. that led to something that we thought we should absolutely share with the class. This is true. And if you are listening in and say, oh, wow, this happened to me too, or you're, you think this might be happening to you, we're talking about various forms of bank fraud where you are the victim. And I'll tell you my story in just a moment. I told it uh, a little bit of it the other day, Wednesday, I believe, afternoon on the Lisa Dent Show. But joining us right now from the Better Business Bureau of Chicago and Northern Illinois is Steve Burness. He is the president and chief executive officer of the B. BB. And Steve, thank you for joining us on a Saturday night. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me tonight. Now, is it true that you actually heard me telling my tale on Wednesday afternoon? <laughs> I was in my car listening to Lisa's show, yes. Uh-huh. Okay, I'll just briefly explain. I, and I, that was just like a couple of hours old at that yeah. point, so I was still pretty stressed about it. it, it and I have to say that my input was I was in the living room working on some uh, some some notes. Johnny's in our office, and all of a sudden I hear her voice getting a little more uh, firm, firm, and yes. a higher volume. And then she comes into the living room, and she is not a happy camper. Well, in at fact, all. I, I actually broke down at that point yeah. because I'd made so many phone calls. So on Wednesday morning, I open up uh, uh, my uh, bank account that I shared with my father for years and years and years. And because I'm legally on that bank account, I had never closed out that account when he passed away a, a little over a year ago. And when I opened it up, if there was a negative $800 negative balance. That got my attention, and I quickly then went to the desktop so I could look, and you could look me right in the eye. What was going on here? Because all that ever came out of there were a couple of newspaper subscriptions just to kind of keep it going, and suddenly it's down to negative 800 And it turned out that there were four transactions that came from one company in North Carolina, an energy company. First thing I did, Steve, was I went to the BBB, and I put in their name to see if they were legit. Wow, the things that came up about this company, the the people that were complaining that... Should we name the company? Because I'm fine with I that. I don't have any problem. It's a Duke Energy. energy. D-U-K-E yeah. Energy. So I thought, well, I'll call the bank. Did they do the right thing by calling the bank first to say, uh, something's gone wrong here. I'm $800 in the negative. Was that the right thing to do, Steve? 
It was the right thing to do. Always contact the bank directly on the number you know, not mm-hmm. the number that they give you or you see somewhere else. So that's the problem. Yeah. So I did call them, but sadly they said, well, you have to call the company. They are legit. Here's a phone number. So they did supply me with a phone number. When I called the company, the company said, what's your account number? I said, you don't understand. I don't have an account. Well, we can't help you if you don't have an account number. And I said, well, that's kind of crazy. You've taken, now we're looking at almost $2,000 out of the account. Because you went back and saw that uh, it started in uh, March. March. Right. And they said, well, we can't help. you got to go back to your bank. So by the time I broke down, Steve, I had gone back and forth from the bank to the, the energy company, back to the bank. And finally, I ended up with the fraud department. And I don't know if people realize that your bank has a department that's called the fraud department, right? Most banks do have the fraud departments. So I got hooked up with the fraud department, and they said, all right, we're going to get to the bottom of this. And the best we can figure, Stephen, you may have heard of of similar scenarios. Someone somehow got a hold of that checking account number and the routing number. They'd have to have both of those numbers, and they were paying a bill out of that account. Paying one of their bills. One of their energy bills. Johnny's account with their dad. That's all we could figure. Did, does that sound like that's what happened? Sounds like it happens to me. I mean, it happens to a lot of people, the bank fraud. It's just not specifically on a particular company, though. Yeah. You know, I've, this is probably the, since the pandemic, uh, Johnny, uh, it's probably been the worst I've seen uh, consumer fraud. And uh, it, just, it just never stops now. And I've been doing this for, you know, 36 years at the Better Business Bureau. So I've seen there, been there, done that. But... The fraud is really, uh, uh, really uh, growing, especially in the banking industry for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, again, the bank said to me, well, they would have to have both of those numbers. You'd have to have. And then I thought, well, you know what? If there's a check floating around, you know, who knows? There could be Mm -hmm. a voided check or. You've got those numbers at the bottom of that check. So I went when I went back to the utility company, the energy company, I said, what would it take to pay a bill and get a load of this? They said, we don't ask for anything but the bank routing number and the the bank number, the account number. So they don't need any identification. So you see how easy it is just to pick up that 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 voided check and abuse it which is completely the opposite of something that happened within the past i want to say it was about a year or so ago you were attempting to pay a bill and they wouldn't take the money from you without proper identification yes yes. so which is the ideal situation but doesn't that seem kind of crazy in this day and age steve that that you could just simply rattle off a couple of numbers and they would take it and no question asked and you're the victim yeah, this happens all the time, unfortunately. They're making it easier and easier for people to make their payments, use their credit cards, debit yeah. cards. And with that comes the fraudsters. And so they put these uh, more security in place. Uh, these fraudsters will continue taking advantage of the situation. And it's happening across a whole spectrum of the business community. It's not just you know, it's banking. It's just everything. Uh, it's just the scammers are getting more uh, more intelligent, more crafty. And there's more numbers of them, and I, we just can't keep up with these scams anymore. Yeah. We have a scam tracker, as you know, that keeps track of scams all across North America, and it just continuously, 
And we're seeing not, not usually the new scam, but it's usually a new variation of an older scam. Yeah, yeah. They fine-tune it, right, with the technology we right, have today. Exactly. Tweak it yep. just a little bit so it's different. You know, somebody said the other day, you know, dumb criminals. I said, wait, wait, wait. Criminals are not dumb. They are so much smarter than the average Joe because they their minds work in a way that ours doesn't. You know, I'm thinking, wow, how, how do you even go there to come up with ways to take advantage of another person? And uh, it, it's scary. Uh, Steve, we're going to take a quick break and come back. And we want to talk about what check washing is because that term is kind of floating around quite a bit. One of the reasons is just the other day, there was a story that came out that our mailboxes are going to be more secure. Why do they need to be more secure? Because checks are being stolen out of mailboxes. That, of course, is against the law. And before we move on to another type of fraudulent activity, uh, I guess the takeaway from my experience was we all need to be more proactive about looking at our bank statement. Don't wait till the end of the month. Look at it on a regular basis. Would you agree, Steve? I mean, that's the only way you can stay on top of this. It is. It's the only thing you should stay on top and look online more than once a month, like you mentioned, yeah. as well, because uh, so many things get smaller amounts get passed up, especially if it's a joint account mm-hmm. where a husband and wife or spouses or whatever it may be. Uh, the, the other one thinks they wrote that check or cashed that amount right. in a charge card or whatever it may be. So, yes, looking at them online. And, and a lot of the credit card companies have the safety mechanism in place that if a charge is made or your debit card, you can be notified via text, too. Mm-hmm. quickly. So I, I have mine all set to $10. So anything over $10, hmm. my bank uh, texts me either know if it's on my debit card or my credit card. So that's a good way of keeping track of things as well. But but how would that apply with this case of money being taken out of a checking account? Well, anytime the uh, check's taken out of your account, you can be notified via text in certain banks. Yeah. So you'd be notified how much the, the check went for and who it went to as well. And then, take it, then it would tell you to look at your account then online. And, and well, do, you, do you think that with the amount of people these days that are setting up something with automatic deposit, doesn't that cause people to look less at their accounts thinking, okay, that's automatically taken care of. I don't need to pay attention yeah. to that. But yeah, you do. Yeah, I I, I think right, so. Steve, it, it, they they pay less attention now because of everything's like uh, electronically now, and and everything's usually auto deposit or, or taken out of your checking account, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And you don't even look at your W two forms anymore. You know, you're in yeah. uh, cash at the uh, pay, payroll checks anymore. You just assume it went in your bank. Yeah, yeah. I was one of those holdouts. <laughs> I remember they came to me and they said, "We've got to stop giving you a paper check." And I said, "But I want a paper check. I want to look at it." I like this. They said, "No, everybody's going automatic, and you're the last holdout here." And I was very literally. Johnny was the last holdout I, at WGN Radio. I was old school. I said, "Can you just write it out in longhand and give it to me?" But let me go back to my experience too, because I. I got very lucky, Steve, by checking that day the uh, $1,100 of the $1,900 was pending that day. So they were able to do what they called a hard freeze on those two transactions. And so now I'm just in the the process of I've done the paperwork to challenge the other two. Um, And at this point, I'm just so thankful that, you know, I, I got there that fast. 
And just the other, uh, it was, you might have heard me mention this, just about a month ago, I was checking my own personal account, and I had $25,285 in my account that wasn't mine. And it had been wired mistakenly, and I had somebody tell me at the bank fraud department that my account number was one off of this little family farm up in West Berlin, Wisconsin. And my heart went out to them because I thought, that's probably their payroll Mm -hmm. that was put in there, and it ended up in my bank account. So moral to the story is you got to be proactive. you got to look at that account and stay on top of it. Let's get to the subject of check washing, uh, Steve, because there was a story earlier this week about we're going to get new post office boxes because the ones that we have have been broken into and checks have been stolen and something called check washing is is happening can you explain what check washing is sure. check washing really comes down to be when a scammer really steals your check out of the mail and then they use like household chemicals to wash off the ink and fill it with their own name and cashes it and cleans out your bank account basically and it's usually that's an old old scam from many years ago and it's, it has a resurgence now and as you mentioned you know uh, Senator Durbin announced that they are going to put new keys on uh, all the mailboxes across the country because a lot of these Postal employees are getting held up for that special master key, arrow key, they call it, Mm -hmm. which open mailboxes all across USA. It's a master key. So once they have it, they can go into many different buildings and still, you know, the mail, which has those checks inside of it. And it's just, it's just really, it's always a small amount that person writes it for, $60. I had a friend. I have employed. It just happened to her twice. Really, it's better business to be on a friend recently, $60 to a church, mm-hmm. never made it to the church, and it was like, uh, I think it was $9,000 was taken out of the account. Oh, my wow. gosh. Oh, my heart. But the key is you'll, you'll, you'll get your money back after you, yeah. you know, the bank, but we're all paying for this as well, and yeah. the only thing, that when you do are a victim of check washing, they lock your account. Yes. They freeze it. Yes. So you can't put any money in, you can't take any money out, and if you have a lot of money in there that you need it for something, you're in trouble, because... It could take up to six months, Johnny and Steve, for this uh, for the money to get back into your account by the bank. So it's just alarming what people can do. Now, there's ways around check washing, and one of the keys is obviously to do everything online. I mean, there's the safety mechanism of doing things online, but if you want to still use a check, you just use a black indelible ink, it's yes. called. You can find it at any store, any retail store, indelible ink in black, or a magic marker, the dark black ones, mm-hmm. and it goes into the fibers of the check. Uh, so they can't wash it as well and uh, just don't put any at this time don't put any mail in the post office box they go directly to the post office and and give it to them directly inside their their location it's getting point where we're hearing about this multiple times a week at the better business bureau and and i know that senator durbin talked about how many postal employees have been robbed recently it means hundreds of them that's very scary, and and um, this next week is is like U.S. Postal um, Awareness Week, mm-hmm. and they want us to know that if you see someone that looks like they're monkeying around a mailbox and they don't look official, like they're not wearing a uniform, or maybe they they just look very suspicious, you could actually end up with a ten thousand dollar reward if you report this person and it turns out that they're one of the bad guys the sticking their hand in a mailbox that happens too they say never mail your uh, mail like the last 
after everything's been picked up and now it's yeah, a Sunday night. you don't want night, it sitting there overnight. And the mail right. is just, yep. and they can put their arm down there and, and pull it out. And you certainly don't want it sitting there over the weekend. With, over the weekend, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. This right. is crazy. And a lot of doctors. A lot of doctor's offices use those blue envelopes to, for payment, and so they know that those yes. checks are in there. And you, know, you ever see those common envelopes, sure. like or ComEd mm-hmm. or whatever it may be, they all use similar envelopes. So it's very, uh, you got to be very careful when you're writing checks today. And I know the kids don't write checks today, but they, uh, they still can be a victim of check fraud in some other ways yeah. with fake checks being sent to them, too. Yeah. So. Sadly, they receive <laughs> checks because I know of two people that actually gave um, a graduation presents in the form of a check, and they fretted for weeks about the fact that the mm-hmm. check hadn't been cashed, and they were sure it was going to end up being one of those washed checks. And I said, you know what? In the future, just call your grandkids over and hand them some money. Yeah. This is too much <laughs> right. stress. The old-fashioned way, right. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Talking with Steve Barnes from the uh, Chicago Better Business Bureau about uh, fraud and other things. Oh, my gosh. We could talk all night long with Steve, president and chief executive officer of the BBB of Chicago and Northern Illinois. And uh, a listener sent in a text at 312-981-7200 and said, wow, your story makes me realize just how vulnerable we are and how we cannot be lazy We've got to, and again, I I know I'm 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 beating the same old drum, but folks, you got to be more proactive. You've got to take five minutes, and instead of once a month or once every few months, check your money. And I think, sadly, as our new digital lifestyle has made everything easier for yeah. us, it has also caused people to think oh i've got that uh, all taken care of online and uh, with my phone and everything and i don't need to check that yeah you do yeah. you need to check it yeah steve Burness, you said that you have a ten dollar limit so you get notified when you go over ten dollars and a listener says well every time i go to starbucks they'd be notifying me <laughs> <laughs> every time That's true. That's wow true. okay are you okay to take a couple calls from our listeners steve of course awesome thank you thank you so much steve Burness is with us from the Better Business Bureau, and we will tell you how you can get to the Chicago Better Business Bureau before we let him go to bed tonight. But right now, we're going to go to line one, and Joseph is on with Steve. How are you, Joseph? Actually, I think it's Jim. It's Joseph. Is it Jim or Joseph? Hello, Jim. It's Jim. Okay, I'm sorry. Go right ahead, Jim. What's your story uh, for uh, Steve Burness? I had a guy who was a friend of mine, and then we got upset over an argument of something that we didn't go through. And then um, had nothing to do with the repair that he says, I owe him $200 for all the work he did on my car. If not, I'm putting a mechanics lien against that title Monday morning at the courthouse. And I want to know if that's even possible and what he's talking about in there and the fact that he did this as a favor as a friend to help me with uh to re- make a repair on my car mm-hmm. i paid him for the parts and he just did the work and put it on and we were friends and he did it in his garage at his house wow you're not friends and now anymore he's trying to tell me this because yeah. he's all pissed off about okay, okay. I, I think that's more of a legal question uh, but yeah. but uh steve do you have any thoughts on it yeah, it is a legal question. I'm not an attorney, but uh, usually an individual doesn't put a mechanic's lien on a vehicle. It's usually a corporation or company uh, that will file the lien with the courts on that. So, But your best bet would be to uh, try to resolve it with him directly, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, Boy, he's, he sounds like he's trying to pull out the big guns to scare him. 
issued yeah, this. It like so, a I mean, he had no papers or invoices and yeah. saying anything that I owed him, and he just did it on his own as a friend in yeah. the garage when we were friends. And now all of a sudden he's mad, so now he's going to do this, and he wants two hundred dollars for the work. Yeah, and he claims he's going to put a mechanics lien against the yeah. title. Understand, but um, again, it sounds like you guys are going to have to you're going to have to talk because this is not going to go away because he is really talking big talk and and it sounds like he he's familiar with the mechanics lane and he thinks that's going to scare the daylights out of you yeah i I guess maybe the lesson to be learned here steve is you should get stuff like that in writing if uh, even if it's a friend if they're going to do something for you let's write it down right we can't hear how many times people have a friend of a friend and they get into trouble by the using cash and things on the side. Yes, getting everything in writing is from a friend, but be careful of doing business with friends too because sometimes it doesn't end up uh, really in a great situation like you find yourself into, Jim. Yeah, and you end up losing a friend at the same time. You, you know, you're dealing with the headache. Uh, Jim, thank you very much for your call. Uh, Gwen has been very patient. Uh, hey, Gwen, you're on WGN. What can we help you with? Hey, Steve. Hey, Johnny. Um, Chase has um, where you could call and check your uh, account, uh, set up a PIN on the phone without mm-hmm. looking at the Internet. They do the bank by phone. Of course. And it's very yes. convenient. And well, I've caught, or, or like maybe one thing, but I was like, and then just checking to see if a bill has cleared but i just use my debit card i used to use check but, yes, but deposit let me stop let me stuff. stop you right there gwen because that's what yeah. i did yep. i checked by phone but your phone when you're checking your bank by phone it does not tell you who did the transaction that's why i wanted to see it on the screen in front of me to see who got oh. that money because when you're oh. checking your account it, it just says uh an automatic withdrawal usually it does not tell you where that money is going at least my bank doesn't and also gwen uh i would be cautious about using your debit card giving too many people the number of your debit card because if they have your debit card number they can get into your checking account that's true so use a credit card thank you for that but i i am very cautious i just do like uh my to see uh, waiting on like uh, utility bills and stuff mm-hmm. but i know what you're saying though I, yeah i'm very caught but i appreciate the heads up again okay but, yeah thank you so gwen thank you appreciate your listening and, and and you gwen, know i would also recommend she uses her credit card to over a debit card because yeah. they steal out of her debit account it, she, they lock her account then she can't get yep. any of her money out if you have a credit card you get your money right back into your account yeah you can I, use it again i will never use a debit card and no. for the years use that your credit card we've yeah. done we've done computer shows we've always said never buy anything on the internet using a debit card because now it's out no. there on nope. the internet I'm getting nervous just talking about yeah. this because I'm thinking about all the different ways that we are so vulnerable. So, Steve, you also had uh, you wanted to warn some people about uh, some timeshare uh, stuff that you you've guys, been dealing yeah, with. Yeah, you did an investigation in timesharing. Yeah, we did an investigation at the end of April, an international investigation. We found out that you know timeshares have some concerns uh, with that industry. Again, there's great timeshares out there, uh, but a lot of times we run into consumers who have uh, been victimized, and trying to get out of it is is very difficult to do. Uh, in the last three years, we received about 30,000 complaints. 30,000? 30, 30,000 complaints. Oh. So $32 million disputed in those claims. 
but the key is on timeshares is they it's a it's a lifelong commitment. It's not just a one time and done. You own it forever, and then you got to then sometimes it goes into your heirs, and they uh, actually take control of it as well. So. Mm-hmm. It's not, um, you know, people go for timeshares usually to get a free, uh, free dinner or great mm-hmm. seats. I have a friend, a good friend of mine, who, who wanted uh, uh, tickets to Chris Angel uh, Magic Show in Vegas. And mm-hmm. it was front row. They said they'd give her. She spent, she got free tickets, but she bought a timeshare for $9,000, which ended up being $17,000 oh, uh, because of the uh, interest on the bank. Because she had to take a loan out because she oh. didn't have that. The, the money so it locks you into a lifelong commitment yeah. and people don't realize that and now they changed names too they got away from timeshare they went to vacation clubs because uh, yeah. you know things happen in the past where they mm-hmm. kind of change names because you have the timeshare has a bad image so they created a new a nice vacation club sales mm-hmm. which is the same thing Wow. Uh, one final question on the, the business of a check washing. A listener wants to know if your account is frozen because you you have been victimized. A check has been uh, written and that has kind of maxed you out and now you're fighting it. Does that affect your credit rating? Would that ultimately? No, it usually does not. Good. It doesn't. It's a good question. No, it doesn't affect your credit rating. They, the reason they freeze your account is to make sure they want to do an investigation, which mm-hmm. can take up to six months. So no money goes in, no money goes out, unfortunately. So, no, it does not affect your credit rating. Ooh, that is a good question. Steve Burness is of the um, chief executive officer and president of the Better Business Bureau. Steve, uh, before we let you go, let's talk a little bit about how people can use the BBB. What, what are some of the ways that they can take advantage of the service that you offer there? Well, the key is for more than basically 111 years, the BBB's really been helping people find businesses, brands, and charities they can trust. So we want consumers to come to us first before doing business with the company to check out their reputation and their information about the company itself. My biggest frustration in my career at the BBB has been from consumers who come to us after when it's too late. Uh, They do all the research they need to after. They should have done it in the first place, and they wouldn't have been victim of a scam in any way. So I've seen it time and time again. I've been doing this for 36 years. But also the biggest thing that we do is a referral agency to BBB. I don't think most consumers know that. We've been, you know, uh, you can find businesses you can trust at our website at BBB.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we, uh, we uh, provide the accreditation to businesses. So if you look for the BBB seal, you'll see it everywhere. And it's really the sign of a better business. And we've been doing it for like 111 years uh, internationally and now uh, 97 in Chicago. Funny you don't look that old. (laughs) This may be an odd question, but I was just thinking, one of the most important financial things that people do is set up a will. Before they look for a uh, an attorney to make sure they're setting up a will or a trust or something, uh, should they contact the Better Business Bureau to find out if they're dealing with a reputable attorney, or do you have anything that involves wills or things like that? We do have a list of attorneys that are accredited by the BBB, specifically handling wills and trust as well. But we do, that's one of our most active categories as attorneys in terms of inquiries, asking for attorneys, because they always want to find somebody you can trust. So we have a lot of information on our website at BBB.org. We also have a lot of information about identity theft. We talk about all these other scams, but it's it's not a matter of when, it's a matter of if, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when you'll become a victim of identity theft. Uh, It's getting very rampant. 
rampant right now, so be careful. Protect yourselves. Get your credit report on a yearly basis from annualcreditreport.com. I've been a victim of identity theft. You can't stop it. You can mm-hmm. try to prevent sometimes, but then you got to take care of it as soon as it happens to you. you got to do things about it. But it's, just, it's running rampant right now, and it's the fastest-growing white-collar crime today. Amazing. I mean, that scares me, too, the fact that it's not a question of if it will. It will happen to you. Mm-hmm. So be, It will do, happen to you. Right? Do everything you can, and you don't necessarily do anything dumb. I mean, you could be incredibly yes. active in, in staying on top of things, but again, some way, somehow, you may end up being a victim. That is, oh. Especially with the data breaches. And then one of my yeah. dinners was stolen because some employee broke into the boss's office and took they went into the files and took all the information out about their, their clients. And I was one of their clients. And that's how my identity was stolen. Wow. So it, it can happen without you even knowing it. So that's what I'm saying. It's, it happened to me. It happened to uh, former uh, uh, Attorney General Lisa Madigan. It happened yeah. to. Uh, yeah. So it happens to all of us. And you just got to take care of it. Look online. Look at our website. The Attorney General has got great information, the, uh, the FTC as well. Get, get knowledgeable because everybody comes to us after. Yeah. Get this knowledge ahead of time. Find businesses you can trust ahead of time and do the research. But everybody does the research after, Stephen Johnny, and that's yeah. the frustrating part in my career. If they called us first, we could have told you maybe not to do business with that company, individual or entity, and what to watch out for. Because there's, there's lots of tip-offs to the rip-offs that we know about. Have you given much thought uh, uh, into artificial intelligence, AI, and how that's going to uh, create a whole new area of fraud? And I know we've talked about it on our computer shows that, you know. As a matter of fact, I'm thinking some night, if, if you'd be up for it, Steve, we'd like to get you on on the same night that we have our computer expert, Patrick Crispin. We were talking with him just last last week about something that is down the road, it's going to wind up, it's what, Google and Microsoft and uh, I forget who else, they're all kind of coming together to come up with one form of online identity protection that would take you across all platforms. So rather than having to to go jump through several hoops and, and multiple uh, security verifications. Yeah. This would be one forum, but it's like everybody no on the internet is is working. I, I think it's like one password. Or, anyhow, yeah. but some night we should get you on with Patrick to talk sure. about that. I'd love to. Yeah, but we'll worry about artificial intelligence that's happening already, you know, making uh, copies of a person's voices. Yes. You're seeing yeah. celebrities endorsing products. They're not endorsing the products, but it looks like they are talking. Yeah. It's just really alarming out there. And, it's just, we're just, and that's where we're going to see the scams. And the truth are these, you know, truthful articles. And uh, it's, it's just be very, uh, uh, the scammers are already starting to use it already. Yeah, absolutely. And on that happy note, uh, you go crawl into bed and have sweet dreams. <laughs> because Superman never rested, so I can't rest. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Steve, thank you so much for your time tonight. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Anytime. Thank you. All right. Take care. It's Steve Burns from the Better Business Bureau. And again, uh, website, bbb.org. Yes. And you can get all kinds of information. More coming up. Stay with us. News is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. You know what? If there's going to be a gremlin, it's going to be on our show. So buckle up, kids. This and could just be- as we're going to talk about Graceland Cemetery. Yes, cemeteries. And a fabulous, fabulous new book. If you like Chicago history, if you have any interest at all in history, if you like 
cemeteries, and some of us do like just going and walking around yeah. cemeteries, you are going to love this book that I have in my hand, Graceland Cemeteries, Chicago Stories, Symbols and Secrets. And the author of the book has written a whole bunch of books, something like 20 books. He's been, you may have seen him on the History Channel, on the Travel Channel. He has popped up on WGN Morning News. And without further ado, we introduce you to the author of the book. His name is Adam Selzer. How are you tonight, Adam? Hey, how are you? Good, good. Congratulations on the book. This is another winner for you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Am I right oh, in saying? I think I may be. I think I may be more proud of that one than anything else I've ever done. That- okay. Okay. Let me hold you on that because. You are very prolific. You've done music. You've done uh, huh? other books. Uh, you've done uh, all kinds of things. Sorry, I lost you there for a second. Uh, that's just me. I get hey, sorry, lost I lost, very easily. Sorry, I lost you there for a second. That was on me. Oh, okay. okay. We thought that was the gremlin that it's infecting us over here, so it, sit it, it tight. Could also, it could also be that. It's uh, <laughs> trying to play the cure over here, too. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. So, so my the pictures of you. Uh-huh. So, so my question was, why are you more proud of this book? With all the books and all the other things you've done, why are you more proud of this book than your other books? Well, there's a little more original research in it, for one thing. There was a lot. There were a lot more mysteries to solve. And also just getting some of these stories back into circulation. Some of these people in the book, the last thing written about them was when somebody carved the, uh, carved the name on the gravestone. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really very gratifying to me to get these stories back into circulation. You say there were more mysteries to solve. Was this a case of you got into the book, you you realized you had a a great idea for a book, you get into this, and suddenly you realize, whoa, what have I gotten myself into? Well, oh, sure. Well, anytime you go into a cemetery, there's the question that keeps popping up is, who were these people? Yeah. And that's a million little mysteries to solve, every one of them. You know, they always say everybody's got a story. Really, everybody has several stories. You just got to find them. That's what I love about the book, because, yeah, we all know about the Marshall Fields and, you know, the Chicago people that have stories that we but, grew but up. But I didn't know the, the, the minutia about, about Marshall, Marshall Field Fields, that yeah. you get into. Oh, the whole Field family. I was reading it aloud to Steve. I said, holy... Oh, yeah, there's, there's so much more interesting stuff than just the, just Marshall himself, who yeah. frankly was a very boring old man by all accounts. <laughs> Like I, I didn't realize. Certainly, Marshall Field, uh, iconic in Chicago. I didn't realize his worldwide stature. One of the richest guys in the world at that time. Oh yeah. No, I had no idea. He was the, he was the, the merchant prince of the United States at the time. Yeah. But what I so enjoyed about the book are these forgotten people, the people that if you're walking around Graceland Cemetery, you see a name and you say, oh, yeah, okay, well, probably an interesting person, but, and you just keep on going. But can we just start at the very beginning of the book? You write about a woman. uh, Her name was Elizabeth Butler, right? Much longer. so interesting. She and her mother, especially. Uh, Her mother was a Revolutionary War widow. Mm Mm-hmm who lived to be almost 100 years old. She was 99. She lived through the Great Chicago Fire. That just fascinates me to begin with. A revolutionary war widow was still alive at the time of the Great Chicago Fire at all. Yeah. And had had Elizabeth... After that, there's a a great line in it. There's something about, um, unlike the conventional old lady, she does not smoke a pipe. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. It's always fun to be run into these little little tidbits about yeah. social mores and customs that are just forgotten now. Like, there's one woman who wrote about uh, how she thought Juliet Kinsey looked so enchanting in pink ribbons that she tried to get her mother to wear pink ribbons. She wasn't <laughs> even 50 yet. <laughs> well, go back to 50. Elizabeth Butler was born to her mother who was 50, right? Yeah, that's she that's was, crazy. Uh, Fifty years old when she gave birth to her, when she gave birth to her daughter. That's just uh, carry a baby determined survive in eighteen twenty six yeah. at that age is a unique and impressive feat to begin with. And then she lived another forty nine years. Okay, and, and in a way to explain how your book is laid out, why does the book begin with her? Because your book is laid out differently than a lot of books that would deal with a subject like this. Because you don't have it broken down into the business people and the politicians, you actually take us right. on walks through the Graceland Cemetery, right? I, I called it the choose-your-own-adventure version yeah. when I was first setting it up. It's uh, it's arranged geographically. I thought that was a little more egalitarian. And also, in a lot of books like this, there, there's a chapter on captains of industry, a ca- uh, one on artists or one on athletes, but... I just couldn't imagine who would turn to a chapter called Captains of Industry. Unless you were looking for some ancestor, somebody you found in your family tree and wanted to see them in the book. Um, But also, there's there's several plots, several people who would fit into more than one category, several uh, family plots where there are people in multiple categories. Uh, So there's an appendix at the back that if you want to look it up by, by suffragists or abolitionists or formerly enslaved people, Etc. You can just go through the book like right. that, but it's arranged geographically. We are talking about a fabulous book called Graceland Cemetery, Chicago Stories, Symbols, and Secrets. I think it's a book that should be available for students because I think in school to learn Chicago history, this would get get them very excited because I was excited. I found when I had the book in my hands, I was reading aloud to Steve and he's taken the book from me. And the author is Adam Seltzer, also does walking tours through Graceland Cemetery. There is. There is one at Graceland tomorrow, in fact. Is there? Okay, tell us about it. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow at 1 p.m. I will be running a walking tour at Graceland Cemetery. You can get tickets on adamchicago.com. I've been a tour guide in Chicago and New York for over 20 years now. Cemeteries are my... Uh-oh. We just lost you. The ghost is... It's just... This is weird. <laughs> You just disappeared, you just, Adam. You went away. You disappeared were there. for a second there. Yeah, <laughs> yes, you did. Is, it's probably Robert. It's probably well. You know, one of the guys from the. Didn't one of the guys from the Cure just passed away? Or am I thinking of the Smiths? Oh my gosh! Um, no, no, you're going to start freaking me out. I'm because, thinking of the Smiths. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so your walking tour tomorrow. Can people? Is it too late to get involved in the walking tour? There are there are still a few tickets left. Yeah, so just okay. go to adamchicago.com. Oh, the weather's going to be great. Right, right now, my, my yeah, the weather's going to be good for once. I've had the worst luck with picking uh, weather for tours this year oh. so far. We keep picking rainy days. Well, just a couple of basic questions, because uh, a lot of people think of cemeteries. I think they think of Rose Hill Cemetery in Chicago. Which came first, Rose Hill or Graceland? Uh, Graceland started their paperwork first, but Rose Hill opened first. Okay. It wasn't. It was. It was pretty close. And how does Lincoln Park play into cemeteries? Because a lot of people will will reference Lincoln Park and say, "Oh yeah, people used to be buried there." Was that true? Well, they, they were. Yeah, there was uh, up through the eighteen forties and eighteen fifties. That was the main city cemetery. The main city cemetery. So, yeah. 
Well, it was actually very progressive at the time. As Lincoln Park was far enough out in a wide enough space, it was a time when most people who died in large cities were still buried in churchyards mm-hmm. that got really overcrowded and really disgusting really quickly. As in bodies were being stacked on top of each other? Yeah, stacked on top of each other. Have you ever seen Trinity Church in New York? It's about the size of a suburban backyard. Oh, my god! No one really knows how many people were buried there. In 1822, when they mostly stopped burying people there, they estimated it was in the range of 100,000. <gasps> 100,000? What? Yeah. And about, Whoa. Well, Graceland, just by contrast, is about as... You know, an entire half mile by half mile, and it's uh, th- that is about one hundred and seventy-five thousand interments. One hundred and seventy-five thousand, and that includes some some big monuments too, right? I mean, oh yeah, but <laughs> some some very large monuments. There's also lot. There's a lot of space. People who bought themselves very very large plots that they only use for one or two people. Mm-hmm. What's the weirdest monument that you've come across at Graceland Cemetery? Like, you know, kind of a head-scratching, what's that all about? Maybe some kind of symbolism that is mysterious? Uh, Well, now and then you'll run across, like, some bizarre symbol. It almost always turns out to be the Freemasons. Really? Uh, They had an (laughs) awful lot of symbols. Oh, my God. There's other guys who have, like, three or four different secret society logos on it. I think you had to tell your wife you were doing something when you disappeared from the You see, I'm going off to another lodge meeting, honey. That, that's what I'm doing. Definitely. That's all I'm doing. Why do I always think about the Flintstones and Fred and Barney going off to a lodge meeting? You know? well, as you were doing your research. Yeah, the water buffalo. Yeah. As you were doing your research for the book, were there some people whose stories you came across that made you think, you know, I really would would have liked to have sat down and talked with this person. Who, who intrigued you oh. personally? Well, quite a few of them. Uh, Margaret Potter, who was an author whose books were banned. Uh, they were considered satires of Chicago high society. It's hard to see what exactly was shocking about them now, but she was... Hmm. Uh, she would write historical fiction for eight hours a day, then go to every Cubs game she possibly could. <laughs> <laughs> this was before Wrigley Field, but she would love being so close to Wrigley Field right oh now. She seems, like she, uh, she seems like she probably brought the party with her. That's true. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I thought you were saying, we were going to say, being a Cub fan, she had to have a rich fantasy life. <laughs> <laughs> Now, this was the old Cubs. This was yes. back when they used to win three World Series in a row. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, I, I've got, uh, Steve can see I've got pieces of paper stuck in the book. Some of my favorite people. Caroline Kirkland, Madam X, is intriguing oh, yeah. to me. Too. Yeah. She was the Chicago Tribune's gossip columnist for years. Really a very eloquent writer. She was also an advocate for better treatment of World War One veterans, and she helped save the water tower when people started thinking we should tear that down. Yeah. But yes, she wrote under the name uh, Madam X columns that she said were reeking with indiscretion. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. One friend, now deceased, said, you'll never be invited to dinner, my dear, if you go on writing for the Sunday Tribune. Then I'll have to eat at home, I replied. That was the words of Caroline Kirkland in News of Chicago Society. Another cool thing is you really get a sense of the role of newspapers in Chicago when we read the history of these people. Uh, that oh, blew- sure. There was, you know, that, that's often the easiest place to get real anecdotes about what these people were like. Mm-hmm. 
and there were so many it was newspapers. Like, you know, diary or something. Yeah, there were a, there were a lot of newspapers. Yeah, we mostly just know the the Tribune now. People write the, the Tribune, the Sun Times. People might remember the Daily News. A hundred years ago, there was also the Chicago Post, American the Chicago Press, the Chicago yeah. the, the Chicago American, uh, the Chicago Herald American, the Chicago Record, the Chicago Record Herald. In, uh, in the fact, you, the you, uh, you sound go the Chicago Times, the Times Herald. <laughs> You sound like you may have read. You sound like you may have read one of my all-time favorite books, "Deadlines and Monkey Shines," which is a wonderful. I have read that. One. Yeah. I have read that one. Yeah, it, it's over. a wonderful <laughs> history of, of of Chicago newspapers, and basically every politician uh, who had a dollar in his pocket started his own newspaper, and a lot of the newspapers would because they were doing evening editions on their evening edition they would print a false lead to try to trick the other newspapers into wasting their time was, looking for that story that was known to happen there was a famous one with uh Hearst published a big piece of news about a war that was going on but if talking about a certain general who'd been killed. And if you rearrange letters of his name, it said, we pilfer the news. So <laughs> yeah, everybody else exactly. who read that. Well, other papers <laughs> who picked up the story would be caught with their pants down. That is crazy. Talking with Adam Seltzer, you wrote a book about a character that I find so fascinating, H.H. Uh, H. Holmes, uh, the, the been called the Devil in White yeah. City, a serial yep. killer. You wrote the true history of the White City Devil. And in this book, The Graceland Cemetery, book you reference probably the only person that knew abraham lincoln and h.h H. holmes and the pope yeah thomas barber bryan the founder of graceland cemetery was possibly holmes's single biggest individual swindling victim wow he uh bought a half interest in a copier machine company from bryan with mm-hmm. a seven thousand dollar or so promissory note and they never paid off a nickel of it uh, but at least he stayed alive yeah, he didn't get killed or anything. Right. There is that. <laughs> there is that. <laughs> Holmes was a swindler first and foremost, more than anything else. Just the other day, I was looking through my files and found this uh, found a facsimile of an IOU Holmes had written out to somebody for $5. I thought, oh, there's five bucks that guy's never going to see again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> We're talking about the Graceland Cemetery book, Chicago Stories, Symbols, and Secrets. It's readily available. It's in paper bag. It's the best 20 bucks you'll spend. It is just hours of entertainment. You and just, we'll have a link to it up on our blog. Yeah. And, uh, Adam, I believe you said that, uh, once again, the the blatant plug light is going on. So I will ask you to repeat uh, for people who want to join your Graceland Cemetery walking tour that will be happening Sunday. How do they do it? Uh, just come to adamchicago.com. That'll give you a link to all the information. Uh, right now, Graceland is redoing the uh, redoing their entrance levels. We're using the alternate entrance a little further up Clark. That means we go to we go to some graves and some places that I wouldn't normally get to go to on a walking tour. Okay, and Graceland Cemetery is the forty two hundred block of North Clark Street, easily accessible yep. from the number twenty two Clark Street bus, which I know like the back of my hand. Or you could take a Wilson yep. Avenue mm-hmm. bus and. And right, the parking is easy when the Cubs are out of town. That's true. Very good. Yes, uh, listener yeah. wants to know if uh, are you going to be hauling your book along with you for the tour tomorrow? If they're on the tour, would they be able to get it from the author? Yeah, there's actually a, a, an option to buy a, along with the ticket, and also I'll uh, you know I'm, I'm like a proper cottage industry author, I'll have boxes in the back of my car. <laughs> good okay. deal. Great. I have to ask you about Kate Warren the United States' first female private detective. 
Right. I'm always hesitant to call anybody the first anything. It always turns out there's somebody else with a claim on it. But she was definitely the first woman to work as a detective for Pinkerton. Mm -hmm. And we really don't know that much about her. We know that she helped sneak Abraham Lincoln into Washington, D.C. Beyond that, she'd become kind of a cult figure for obvious reasons. There have been a couple of children's books about her. There's, uh, I think, Emily Blunt has signed on a player in a movie. Oh. That could be interesting. Interesting, yeah. Yeah. There are so many, uh, forgive me for saying this, but there's so many interesting women in your book that I've never yeah, read def- about before. Definitely a focus. I didn't know, you know, the, the uh, it's a classic cliche about history in general. It's all just rich white guys. And there are plenty of rich white guys in the book. Yeah. But there's a lot more. But a lot of times those they'll have a wife or a daughter in the family plot with them who's way more interesting than they were themselves. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah the, the women quite often are much more colorful. <laughs> I think so, yeah. There is one... Well, some of these guys wrote autobiographies and couldn't make themselves seem interesting. (laughs) 400 pages and they were still boring. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, half of it's their bank records. (laughs) There is one girl that you write about, and we got to hear stories about her through Richard Crow, Chicago's ghost hunter, and I'm sure you encountered Richard over the years. Um, no, 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 I'd run into him now and then. Yeah. yeah, he used to tell the story about the girl in glass, and she's buried. Yeah, it is. She's buried at Graceland, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a statue of a girl in a glass box. She's been the subject of a lot of urban legends. The old story was that she died during a lightning storm when her parents locked her out. We should really let her poor mother off the hook for that. You know? <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> uh, a few years back, a genealogist found her death certificate that said she died of diphtheria, in fact. Oh. And I found her mother's divorce records, which filled in a lot more of the blanks. Wow. How many years did you put into researching this book? Because the the amount of research is just it's pretty mind boggling. This is quite a lot of research. Well, I've been I've been working there as a tour guide, mm-hmm. and so I had a lot of the a lot of it was already done ahead of time when I started doing the book. But then it was it was a full time job for a while, just going out there, just really just watering the cemetery, finding interesting names people mm-hmm. to look up. Yeah. But while you were finding these interesting names to look up. Was there one that was much more difficult to find out the information on than some of the others? Oh, there's a lot of them that were very difficult. Some of the, some people, there's just really not much out there other than what you can find in a census record. You, you can learn a lot from There's a lot of data you can kind of extract from a census yeah. record. But a lot of them, you know, there would be a really big monument. You couldn't find anything out. Like at the uh, eastern end of the cemetery, there's a big, big monument to Mary A. Owens, uh, big enough that she must have had some money, but I can't find out much of anything huh. about her where she would have gotten that money. Well, speaking of big monuments, uh, what about mausoleums? There are a few in Graceland, right? Quite a few, yeah. Uh, d- did you have to be a person like a, a politician or a dignitary to end up in a mausoleum? No, you just needed needed to either have the money or be connected to somebody who did because it takes up an awful lot of space. I'm thinking about all that space they take up. And, and there's it would a, probably help if you were a, a crooked politician and could get the kind of money you need to build one of those yeah. things. They're not cheap. Yeah, and, and oftentimes they're built before you pass away, so you can go visit your own resting times, place. Yeah, yeah which is yeah, kind of... Many of these were built decades before the person who built them died. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a listener wants to know if Graceless, Graceland Cemetery has always been that size, or was there a period when it expanded out of necessity? 
Yeah, initially it was a little bit smaller than it is now. They uh, gradually were buying up the land. They bought Mr. Solzer's farm, and that became uh, Section R. Uh, at one point, they owned a lot more, a few more blocks, and they decided to sell those off for residential as well, uh, up, up to the north of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, here's a good question from a listener who wants to know, how long is a walking tour so I can be ready tomorrow? Okay. Walking tours generally run about 90 minutes. We do about a mile or so, of, a mile and a half or so of walking. You get about 3,500 steps mm-hmm. okay. over the course of roughly 90 minutes. Oh, that's excellent. Uh, are there some cemetery um, um, headstones, grave markers, that are so faded that you have to do like a rubbing on it to get a sense of... Oh, a lot. Really? A lot of them. Sometimes the rubbings wouldn't even do it. Uh, some of them are just, you know, these things, if they're not uh, fixed up, they, they decay over time. Stone mm-hmm. is porous. It doesn't really hold up. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites that I found that I had to look up, you have to go through the paperwork and, like, see who owned that lot. Uh, it was a guy named Jeremiah Price. It was a very prominent uh, marker. It's, it's completely illegible, but it's under a gorgeous tree all by itself. Uh, he was a land speculator who, 50 years after his death, people were still swapping stories about how boring he was. <laughs> <laughs> there are plenty of boring guys out there, but what? this guy, they were, one guy said, if that guy had any imagination, it didn't extend beyond the alphabet of the multiplication table. Oh, ouch. <laughs> wow. He insisted on just taking some peppermint lozenges when he, when he came down with cholera. Turns out that doesn't work. No. Okay, so a lesson to be learned from the poor, boring man. Right? So on his tombstone, right. it says Listen he... To your pharmacist. Don't just do your own research. On his tombstone, it says he set the bar high for boring. Yes. Yeah, it, it, it might say that for all we know. It doesn't, you can't really read it anymore. Wow. Literally, people have, since the book came out, a couple people have left peppermint lozenges on the grave. You're kidding. <laughs> I think it's absolutely fantastic. Oh, are there other uh, grave sites where people leave things? Because um, I, I know people, people leave things for Inez quite a bit, and of course, coins pop up on any grave people yeah. think is interesting. Now, I was just in Cleveland. I noticed people leave uh, coins for John D. Rockefeller. Coins? I don't think he needs them. You know? really? No, I don't think yeah. he needs them. <laughs> really? Even even less, you know, no, nobody who is, is dead actually needs your pennies that much. Yeah. But John D. Rockefeller, that just seems even less so. Yeah. But sometimes... Daughter Edith is a great one. Sometimes that kind of tribute can be very touching. For example, we've been up in uh, Waukesha, uh, Wisconsin, and uh, Les Paul's buried up there. And oh, yeah. there, there is a, a wonderful, it's a beautiful sight, but it's interesting to see there is an image of a guitar, and people, guitar players, will leave picks. Guitar picks are all on the up neck and, of the guitar. Yeah, all up and down this three-dimensional uh, Les Paul guitar that's on the front of his um, his grave marker. It's actually, it's bigger than a grave marker. This is what they've done, Adam, is they he actually wanted to have an area where people could come and sit and play guitar. Mm-hmm. So there are oh, benches, awesome. benches that go around the site where he and his mother are buried. So you can come and sit and play your Les Paul guitar while you're up there, which is a really cool idea. But, but my point oh, is, de- terrific, yeah. My point is, depending on the person and the kind of uh, display that is there, sometimes the tributes that people yeah. leave can, in fact, be very touching. Yeah, like a bottle of whiskey yeah. or something good like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> well, you got your work cut out for you tomorrow, and you do uh, walking tours through the summer because people can follow you on your page and find out when your next yeah, one is. All through the summer and fall, my, my, I'm, I'm on the road a lot this time of year, so the schedule is a little bit, a uh, little bit unpredictable. But all through, all through summer and fall, I'll be running tours at Graceland, Rose Hill, various ones downtown. We do virtual tours every week as well on uh, Mysterious Chicago's Facebook page. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I'm so happy to finally meet you. Your book is fabulous, and I hope that sometime we can end up on one of your tours. And And um, yeah, I would really love to go to the Graceland tour. I grew up in that neighborhood, and honestly, I'm going to be very honest with you. I've never gone into the cemetery because I was always terrified. I'd get off the number 22 bus and yeah. run. I would just run. That's, that that would have been me too. I was terrified of cemeteries when I was a kid. You know, I never went into the one that was in my hometown outside of Des Moines until just a few years ago. I finally said, "You know, I'm an adult. I'm a cemetery tour guide now. I'm going to face my fears and go to that cemetery." That's great. <laughs> well, have have a good walking tour tomorrow because again the weather's going to be fantastic and people can get more details i'm looking at mysterious chicago and at that site you can see upcoming events including your free virtual events so people can get a real rundown adam chicago links you right to that yeah and i also went to amazon and your book is readily available as i said it's a great 20 bucks in fact you can have this book by monday if you order it or if you end up on the walking tour you can get it out of the back of uh, adam's car tomorrow right and and or just be around Around, uh, the entrance to Graceland, look for the orange car at about two thirty. Okay, there. and kudos for that. you for whatever control you had over the printing of the book because the 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 font is readable. Yeah, it's it's a very it's a yeah, pretty book. I, I had zero control over that, so I was very glad that it came out that well. Yeah, and you know what, the, the experience the, with publishers has been mixed at best. Well. <laughs> It's Very important glad that one came out so well because you've got these old pictures that translated really quite yeah. well in your book. I mean, they they're old black and white pictures, and you go, "Oh, wow!" That's University Press did a really good job of it. So, congrats on that too, Adam. Thank you so much for your time well, tonight. Nice talking to you. Thanks, well, thanks. Adam. Thanks for having me. Bye bye now. Uh, we were talking about Graceland Cemetery, mm-hmm. and we mentioned Richard Crow, and somebody mentioned I miss Richard Crow. Well, so do we, and we're going to be doing something special this Halloween. We did, I should back up for anybody who doesn't know, Richard Crow is Chicago's ghost hunter, and for years, Johnny and I, before we got married independently, and then once we got married uh, together, we would have Richard join us, usually on Halloween night, and he would tell tales of some of the spooky scenarios he'd run into around Chicago, every place from cemeteries to haunted taverns to restaurants, restaurants, you name it. And we did what was probably the last radio interview with mm-hmm. Richard Crow. We have that interview, and... As we get close to Halloween, the Saturday night before Halloween, we will be replaying large portions of mm-hmm. that last interview with Richard Crow. Because even though we interviewed him for decades, there were stories that had to be told mm-hmm. every single time he joined us. And Resurrection, Resurrection Mary, Mary, of course. Absolutely. And even the girl in the, uh, in the glass case. Mm-hmm. That was one that was so intriguing to people. And I will never forget the night that Richard came in 
and we knew Richard for a long time. And in fact, Richard was at our wedding, <laughs> and he caught when when Johnny threw her garter. Richard elbowed everybody else out of the way to catch Johnny's garter because he knew of restaurants on Rush Street. He could go bars, in, uh, bars yeah. on Rush Street, and he could go in and he could get some free drinks because he had that garter. Yeah. He knew the tradition, which we had never heard of, but apparently it worked for him. But this one night he came in and he was shook up mm-hmm. because he had been doing a tour. And he was down around the Museum of Science and Industry. And there was, I, I forgot, what was the, the reason someone actually had a video camera and captured this? And we saw it. Yeah. They, they played it back for us because they, they just developed it as they were coming in. And uh, this was pre-cell phone, so it was a, right. a little more of a, a, a hoop to jump through. But they were wandering around the museum and they see this strange figure and it was just an odd figure and the way the figure was walking Mm -hmm. it was like across the water but walking up some of the steps to all alone to the museum and they they yelled at this person and it was like the back of the museum wasn't Mm -hmm. it it was the back of the museum where there's a little bridge that goes over a little body of, of water there and as they they ran to try and catch up with this person, wearing a long coat and a fedora, a, a, a man's hat that was kind of nineteen forties style hat. And the, the, to cut to the chase, as they got close to him, he disappeared. Mm-hmm. And Richard was totally freaked out, and he brought in with him a police officer who was mm-hmm. off-duty and was also with him that night to vouch for him, and they were both totally freaked yeah. out. Um, and that rarely happened. Uh, yeah, because Richard had, had seen, a, seen lot, a lot. He was not yeah. easily spooked, but th- <laughs> he that night he could spook the daylights out of you, but yeah, this was one of the times when he was really spooked. So as we get closer to Halloween, we'll tell you more about that, but, yeah. we're, but we're going to uh, replay our the last interview with Richard Crow. News next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. If you're looking for a brand new car, we've got the man who can uh, point you in the right direction. He is the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, and his name is Tom Appel. Hey, Tom. Hi, Tom. Hey. Hey. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome to Sunday. Sunday, <laughs> Sunday, Sunday. Yes. By the way, uh, Tom was kind of upset because of something that we did earlier. <laughs> We posted on our Facebook page, and you should go to uh, <laughs> facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny Show, and you will see there are some pictures of our, our drive-in tonight. But then before that, we did some pictures of some of the things that we were going to be talking about tonight. One of them was a picture of us with Dick Biondi. Another was a picture of us in this 1998 Indy Pace car Corvette, which we had for a whole week, and Tom was was upset that we didn't take him for a ride in that Corvette. <laughs> he was too young to be taken in that vehicle twenty five years ago. Tom, I will share something with you. Uh oh, and and this is just between us kids, okay? Okay, all right. Because uh, we, along with Tom, Johnny, and I belong to Mama, which is the uh, the, uh, the name for the Midwest Automotive Media Association. 
So back in 1998, we were road testing cars. And at that point, we were doing our radio road tests. And lo and behold, the Chevy people said, you want to test the Indy Pace car? Okay, cool, fine. All right. Indy Pace car is dropped off at our house for a week. And I forgot it was going to be stick. <laughs> now, a little little history. When I took driver's ed, they didn't teach me how to drive stick. I learned how to drive stick when I was working for a company called Radio Surgeons on the south side of Chicago. And a couple days into the mission there, they said, oh, we need you to uh, go down to the... Uh, to the stockyards and uh, bring back this whatever it was. And they they tossed me the keys, and I got in to this truck that that was a, uh, oh, about a four-speed, and I'd never driven stick, so I kind of taught myself how to drive, <laughs> driving down to the stockyards, mostly in second gear, because <laughs> it was the easiest way to avoid all kinds of problems. Anyhow, from that to 1998, when this Corvette was dropped off in front of the house, I hadn't driven stick. So I had to teach myself how to drive stick in the Indy, in the Pace, Indy Pace car, car Corvette. And remember, I would scream when people would get right up on the bumper because they want to get a really oh, yeah. close look at it. And you know, Tom, when you take your foot off, the, you're going to roll back a little bit. If you're on any kind of an incline. Oh and I mean, it was... It was so stressful because I'm like, <laughs> get off our bumper! Because when he takes his foot off the off the brake, we're going to roll back. But I mean, by the end of the week, I was doing good, but it was... <laughs> well, then they came and took it away. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it was incredibly stressful. Because... How, how did you learn how to drive? stick my story is the same as yours steve no almost exactly yes i worked at a gas station at a service station and because i managed to stay the cleanest of all the pump jockeys that's what we were called in those days i often was called on to drive customers home when they left their car for service that was just part of the service we provided and one day a gentleman shows up with a with a ford panel van a ford e-150 um, I don't know, 75, 76, mm-hmm. and, and he drives, I get in, he's going to drive home, and I'm going to take the van back. That's the process. That's what it's going to be. Okay. As we as he's driving, I realize he's doing something wonky with the shift, with something on the column. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. Not only is this a manual transmission, it's a column shift. Mm-hmm. And, and I figure I can tell him I don't know how to drive a column shift. And I've always known how to drive stick. I've just never done it. Mm-hmm. So the thing that was super lucky about this whole thing, long, long story short, is under the hood of this van was an enormous 460 cubic inch V8 that didn't care what you did. It was, you could be sloppy with the clutch. You could be sloppy with it. It didn't matter. And I was I just got in first and second. I didn't even worry about third. Yeah. And I crawled slowly back. I didn't back the van in because I figured that was just, just, yeah. just yep. pushing my luck. I got out of the thing and I just hung the keys on the thing and pretended like nothing ever happened. <laughs> Oh, that's funny, because that is so close. Our stories are are so close. And and as I recall, the truck that I learned, taught myself how to drive on was also a column shift. Wow. Wow. Which is a a weird thing in in and of itself, because I was disappearing already by the 70s. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, my favorite stick shift story is the the classic story, and it's probably urban legend, but I love the story of the the two guys <laughs> that go in to rob a bank. Yes, and the one guy goes out the front door when they are unable to pull off the bank job. He runs out the front door. The other guys go goes out the back door and gets in their getaway car, but it's a stick shift, and he can't drive it. And by this time, they've already pushed the button underneath the teller's uh, countertop. Police are there, and he's still trying to get out of the parking lot. What, what Didn't that actually happen within the past that, six months? I've always heard it. it. It has happened a couple of times. And then I thought, well, maybe it is urban legend. But yeah, just within the past year, it happened. And I, I think I read something like only 15 to 18% of U.S. population that drives a vehicle can drive stick shift. Yeah. 15, is that what the number is now? 15 to 18, yeah. It, and it's going to shrink th- fast in the next yeah. few years, too. Oh, yeah, because there are fewer and fewer stick shift manual shifts being uh, manufactured. But don't people who, who want the, the cool cars like, you know, the, uh, the BMW or the Volvo that is also a sports car, don't they want those vehicles but, in stick shift? But also, uh, isn't that changing too for example the latest chevy corvettes come with automatics right and they're more efficient and faster than the manual shifts yeah and and that's what happened the 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 reasons for driving stick have been reduced to one thing and that it's fun because (laughs) because automatics now are faster they're lighter they're more efficient Um, everything about them is better they're better on the track and if you want a manual shift you can do it sometimes with um the steering wheel mounted paddles and some sporty cars so if, if you need to shift gears manually, you can. Additionally, automatics are going to go away with plug-in hybrids. They're not compatible with hybrids, not compatible with electric vehicles. So we're not going to see manuals in any of those vehicles. And even things like adaptive cruise control, not really compatible with uh, a manual. Interesting. We have a lot of ground to cover with Tom Appel as we talk about cars, and we'll sneak in your questions and your comments. You can text us. You can call us, 312-981-7200. We're going to find out what Tom is driving these days when we come back on WGN. Yes, yes, yes. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. Buddy Guy, Mustang Sally, and a very, very happy camper was a friend of ours, Dave Spector. Mm Mm-hmm who you will see quite regularly at Space up in Evanston. But he was playing at Buddy Guy's Legends, and who came up and who did he back? Oh, Buddy Guy. Nice. So that if you are on Facebook, uh, check out Dave Spector's Facebook page, and you will see some 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 very smiling yeah. pictures <laughs> of the two of them. By the way, um, we had uh, some people called off the air, and they wanted to know about am radio and cars we're going to talk about that in a couple minutes mm-hmm. but before we get to that tom appel who is the publisher of consumer guide automotive is on the line with us and tom what are you driving i am driving automotive craziness and i was hoping you would ask me this question <laughs> because i'm so excited to be driving this finally i've heard about it i've read about it i know about it and then it finally showed up in my driveway uh the 2023 kia ev6 gt and it's the GT part of this that makes all the difference in the world. Um, this is Kia's all-electric car. It's very popular. It's been very well-reviewed. Um, and by almost every measure, it's a good electric car. But the GT is is the, the money number here. It, it is 576 horsepower of automotive insanity. And 
For just $62,000, this car does 0 to 60 in three seconds, making it faster than almost every Ferrari ever built. What? Wow. Yeah, it's an absolutely incredible vehicle. And the most incredible part about it is it rides and drives like a completely normal electric vehicle or just a good car. Um, it's, it's a four-door hatchback. Uh, I'd probably call it a compact crossover if you had mm-hmm. to categorize it. That, that's what we do here at Consumer Guide. Um, but but f- you could drive it every day. It's not especially expensive. The range is a little compromised because of the extreme horsepower. It's only 202 miles of range. But it is explosively, insanely fast, and there's almost no downside to that. Wow. And, and again, for people who are yelling at the radio, well, $62,000, that, that is not inexpensive. No, it's not. But when you're talking this kind of vehicle, yeah, that's what makes this uh, economically a whole lot better than some of the competition. And yeah, it, if you, if you, I'm sorry, Johnny. No, I was just going to say, I just, I, I wanted to see what it looks like. It's absolutely, a, a, it's gorgeous. And it's considered one of the fastest cars under $100,000. Yeah. Maybe it it's is the one fastest. of the fastest cars under $200,000, too. You have to go extreme. Really? Uh, to find something faster. Yeah, zero zero to 60 to... In three okay. seconds? Uh, now, here. Now, you're going to put your foot on the pedal now. Bing. 60. <laughs> there you go. Wow. Think about that, boys and girls. <laughs> wow. Three seconds, zero to 60? Additionally, uh, almost unsettling until you get used to it is the fact that it makes no noise while it's doing that. Oh. The electric motors are, are basically quiet. So the only thing you're getting is some road noise and some wind noise. And and um, uh, and a whiplash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but not, l- let me address the, the no noise thing. What happens when you come up to a corner? Uh, the, do they have the, the technology where if someone, uh, a visually impaired person, is walking... You get a whine. They, they, they this does make noise at low speed, yes. Okay. okay. So you get that whiny Good. sound. Yeah. Wow. So but you're saying if you're doing 60 as you're coming through the corner, you're not going to make any noise. <laughs> no, and it's, it's so weird, too, because up until this point, until I started driving fast electric cars, you just associated um, a good zero to 60 romp under five seconds with all sorts of exhaust noise and some valve, mm-hmm. you know, not valve mm-hmm. noise, but, you know, that sort of machine noise you hear from a good engine and maybe some air intake whoosh, and there's none of that. <laughs> but the most impressive thing is just how casually it goes about doing this. And and that is the Kia EV6 GT. Are they readily available, or is this one of those, it's a hot car and you, you just can't get your hands on it? Unfortunately, the EV6 in any configuration, because EV6 starts under fifty grand. It's just a very good electric vehicle, um, and you can buy ones with more range and less power. Those are hard to get right now. Mm-hmm. Now, that might change a little bit, because at the moment, they don't qualify for the tax credit. Um hmm. So the likely demand for those has, has slipped. And they don't qualify for the tax credit because? Built in Korea. Oh, of course. It has to okay. be built in America. Yeah. yeah. So that's the first That's the first tenant. That's how you get the first half of the money. And then the second half is the battery and the battery components. And those don't qualify either. So mm-hmm. uh, no tax back on these right now. Now, there's that whole leasing thing that's a weird aside um, that Kia is going to try to exploit. I, really? I, I wonder if uh, you're going to be able to get tax credit down the road because doesn't uh, Hyundai, who, who owns Kia, or you know they're part of the same corporation, 
They uh-huh. have they have plants in Alabama in Montgomery, Alabama. Well, production is eventually going to move to the U.S., and that's that's one of the things that the uh, that particular component of the Inflation Reduction Act was trying to get people to do seems to be working. Mm-hmm. So all that all that heck we went through back then about going back and forth and changing the rules seems to be working, and we the U.S. is attracting battery manufacturing plants and UV manufacturing. So system seems to have worked. Hey, did you say that they're going to attempt a leasing plan? Because I thought we were getting away from leasing. That is exactly correct. Leasing was, was falling apart. Yeah. Lenders didn't want to lease on cars uh, because they were worried about resale value, especially resale value of vehicles that weren't electric in case electrics caught on very quickly. But what's happening now is there is a provision in the Inflation Reduction Act that has to do with the uh, the tax incentive, the seventy five hundred bucks. If you lease the vehicle, you can you qualify for the seventy five hundred dollars. That sounds simple, but it's really complicated because if you lease the vehicle, you're not the owner. Yeah, so it would have to. It would have to be the owner, the, the lessor, who would have to apply for the the thing and then promise to give it to you. Yeah, right. I'm going to hold my breath too. That just which, sounds... is, which is why it's going to have to be manufacturers that do this. Yeah, yeah. That is crazy. Uh, in, in fact, before we take a break on the subject of leasing, a listener wants to know if you are forced to lease, and you didn't go into details, but do you have to pay a higher insurance rate if your vehicle is leased? Uh, that's up to your lessor. So they, they can't hold you to a certain standard of coverage. Oh, okay. So ask your le- the, the lessor. Yeah. Gotcha. Hmm. We're, uh, I would almost think that... Your insurance would be a little less expensive because with most leases, if you don't keep the car up and get it serviced and you would taken think. care of, that, that you pay. you're penalized. Yeah. So That's an interesting point, Steve, because, yeah, you're required to take care of your car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. We're going to take a break. Tom, come back. We'll talk uh, some about... Come back, Tom. <laughs> come back. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> we got a lot. We got a lot to cover with Tom Appel uh, con- from Consumer Guy. Check out the website too. Uh, I want to spend some time talking about the fact that this is uh, the mid-size pickup truck. This is the year of its glory. I thought we've had so many years of the mid-size mid-size pickup truck. The blatant plug light has gone yeah. on, Tom. You got a brand new spiffy website. You want to share the news with the kids? I do. It is shiny and new, and I'm very happy about it. Consumerguide.com, the website is all new. All of our old content is there, but it still looks better. Uh, got some great contributors kicking in, too. But do check us out at consumerguide.com. Also, right there on the homepage, you can listen to our podcast, or you can download the uh, download the Carstow podcast anyplace. It's right there on that website that I learned that 2023 is being deemed the year of the midsize pickup truck. Yes. To which I said, wow, isn't this like the fifth or sixth year of the midsize pickup truck? Why are you calling it that? It is uh, actually Jill Simonillo who contributed. She's my podcast co-host mm-hmm. who contributed that article, called it that. But uh, I think she it's aptly named by her. Um, really, you can name the two pickup trucks that aren't being updated that this year, and that's the Honda Ridgeline and the, uh, the Nissan Frontier. Those have been recently updated. But um, the Ford Ranger, going to be all new later this year. The Toyota Tacoma, that's the big news here. Because oh. that's the big dog in the segment. In the segment. They haven't changed that vehicle significantly significantly since 2016 it is brand new 
for 2023, hmm. uh, and it is an interesting vehicle now. There's going to be a hybrid version. There's a four-cylinder turbo version. They still have a manual transmission. That's topical. Uh, you can still get that in one of the versions of the vehicle. But the, the no matter how much competition there is, Toyota seems to always have about half the market share in that segment. Um, and, and they have an all-new vehicle now, so they might actually pick up some share this year. Hmm. Hmm. What else have you been driving that you uh, you found interesting, positive or negative? I just drove. I just drove, and this is an interesting vehicle for a bunch of reasons. The Toyota LX six hundred, and that is, I'm sorry, the Lexus LX six hundred, and that is Lexus's big SUV that more or less competes with things like the Escalade and the Navigator, although it is somewhat smaller. But the news in that category is that Toyota used to sell a version called the Land Cruiser, and I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people remember that vehicle. Mm -hmm. That's discontinued. And that was getting more expensive anyway. So now that's the exclusive domain of Toyota Lexus is the LX600. It is a much nicer vehicle inside and out. It is quieter, smoother running, but it is also extremely expensive. Are we talking um, 85, 90? We're talking more like 100, 120. <gasps> Ooh. Whoa, hello. Yeah, 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 and there's one version that gets close to 130, and it's, it's a bunch of money in that class, even when you're competing against the Escalade. Is that a six or seven passenger vehicle? Uh, it, is a, it can be a seven passenger vehicle. It depends on how you equip it. Um, so it's, it's two seats, two seats, and then a prevention back for three if you equip it that way. Wow. Um, and, and that back seat's a little bit roomier than it used to be. It's extremely smooth, very refined. It's now a, um, a hybrid V6 instead of a V8. Very efficient now for that class. It gets about 17 miles per gallon, way better than the 13 it used to get. Um, and very well put together, as always, as a Lexus should be. Well, speaking of Lexus, uh, text at 312-981-7200. Uh, what do the three of you think about the 2016 to 2022 version of the Lexus RX 350? Oh, funny. Funny you would ask about that. I'm writing about the all-new 2023 right now. That's a great car. It, it is. If you don't want to drive something that's especially sporty or fun, but if you're looking for something that is refined, it's quiet, um, makes really good use of interior space. The third, if you get a version with a third row, don't even it's terrible there's the third row is useless but the rest of the vehicle is, is it's just refined well put together very reliable um and the v6 is super smooth that's a great way to go it, it just know that it isn't especially sporty and changes uh the new one that you're writing about any big changes with that lexus yeah, it's all new. It's a, it's a new architecture. It, it now it went from a V6 to a bunch of different engines, but there's no V6 anymore. Everything is some version of a four-cylinder that is turbo mm. or hybrid or turbo and hybrid. And, and that's just necessary stuff to improve fuel economy. Yeah. Other than that, um, it, it is better in almost every way, but conceptually very much the same vehicle. And again, not especially sporty, but very refined and awesome on the highway. Hmm. I'm looking, though, at gas mileage. Again, you're talking about the 15 to 18 miles per gallon? Yeah. Yeah. With a new one? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Are you are you drinking your soda at this hour of the night? Or your iced tea? <laughs> I'm sorry you heard that. It's actually water in my soda container from earlier in the day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a nice little sound effect. That's okay. It's Sorry, either that or your radio on my part. I apologize. <laughs> you or your aquarium in the background. <laughs> By the way, we had another texture wanted to know if our uh, road tests are on the Consumer Guide website, and the answer is yes. Yes, they are. You, mm-hmm. you uh, just in the search bar, you 
type in Steve and Johnny and bingo, you will get all of our road tests. And there's going to be a, a new one that will be uh, landing uh, oh somewhere over the next couple of months. We have uh, something new that we're, we've got Excellent. in mind. So. Uh, you were talking about the Kia that is a zero to 60 in three seconds. And Peter in Sock yeah. Village says zero to 60 in three seconds is one gravity acceleration. So you are literally smushed into the seat with your full body weight. I didn't realize that was 1G. I feel like a, a fighter pilot. That's crazy. Like I said, whiplash. That's what you're talking about. <laughs> he also said it's a classic 32-foot by second to the second. I don't know how to read that acceleration that's holding you down to the earth. Uh, these sorts of numbers were once thought impossible for anything except extreme drag racers, jet and rocket-driven vehicles. Now you get one off the showroom floor. Yeah, but wow. does it reliably? Yeah, that's yeah. intriguing, but not at that cost. <laughs> uh, another text from the uh, six three zero area code. How? Co- where did this go? Uh, well, I was just going to read move, it. And moved it on away. You? <laughs> yeah, this was the uh, the one who wanted to know how come this guy didn't talk about uh, Tesla, and when he does, it's all negative. Uh, so they probably erased it just, just yeah, because it disappeared. Yeah, the text act literally disappeared. It I saw liter- it and it's gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, this guy is Tom Appel. He's the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. And Tom, what's your opinion of Tesla? Uh, these days, it's a little bit confused. It, it, Tesla's in a really interesting spot. Now, let me just acknowledge Tesla, so it doesn't think I'm down on Tesla. They are by far one of the most successful startup companies in the last what, 30, 40 years in the auto industry. And it never looked like they were going to make it, and they made it. It's, it's a miracle. And this year, they're going to sell more than a, mir- a million cars in the U.S., so God bless Tesla. Um, also, we should note that Tesla does make a car um, that is theoretically faster than the Kia EV6, but there's a lot you have to do. You have to use it on a certain surface and a lot of confusing stuff. But Tesla seems to build a heck of a car. They have all sorts of quality control issues, but uh, still, people love them. Hmm. Well, aren't quality control issues becoming uh, or bubbling to the top of the discussion in a lot of automotive areas? For example, um, I, there are a number of auto groups that I follow on Facebook, and I can't think of one of them that doesn't have a series of people, and of course a lot of people like to complain more than compliment, but it's amazing Particularly with some of the the Lincoln Lincolns, products, yes. oh boy, are they dealing with quality control issues? So, are, are there? What is the reason for more quality control issues? Is it that more sophisticated technology is become expected from cars, and if it doesn't work absolutely perfectly, people who have paid good money for this get upset. Yeah, and this is where you saw whatever it was a dozen years ago or so. Mercedes-Benz used to always be at the top of all these charts, and mm-hmm. they started to slip slowly. And it, it probably wasn't actually quality issues so much as people perceived quality. If you bought a Mercedes, then you're buying your second or third one, and you get into this car, and all of a sudden you're using some weird digital interface that seems unfamiliar and doesn't respond you think it would, well, there's a quality issue, right? That That's perceived as a quality issue or a problem. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the more things get high-tech, the more I think people perceive there to be issues, and for whatever reason, 
especially like BMW, they keep changing their digital interface. Every generation of the car's digital interface is different. So even people who are BMW loyalists get in and they're like, what the heck? Hmm. <laughs> and they have to learn a new system and sometimes it doesn't work anyway because there are some software issues. <laughs> and yeah, it's complicated. But one of the oddest quality control issues I can recall recently was the Ford Sync system that seemed to work for everybody except Tom Appel. <laughs> That's right. It was bad. It was, it was. I was irritated. I was at one of the first press events for Ford Sync for my Ford Touch, and yeah. uh, it hated my voice. But like, but it like didn't it I like your da- it liked your daughter's voice though, right? It worked fine for my daughter. <laughs> so it wasn't the <laughs> but car. You meant so much. It was just Tom. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with Tom Appel about. Uh, the world of automotive things, and I want to address something uh, on our Facebook page earlier this week. And again, you can go to uh, facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny show. I posted a link to an article that uh, came from broadcastlawblog.com, and you'll find this on our Facebook page. Uh, the head, Excuse me. <clears throat> Headline was AM for Every Vehicle Act introduced in House and Senate to mandate AM radio in cars. And again, you can read the whole article uh, at our Facebook page, just link to it. But the short story is in a rare bipartisan move, Republicans, Democrats, independents, uh, they're saying, okay, we want to make sure AM radio is still available in cars in spite of the fact that Ford and other manufacturers are saying, ah, oh, no, 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 we don't want to do that. And yeah, as as we have mentioned several times, we've got a, a horse in this race, but regardless of that, AM radio in an emergency is essential. If you're out driving someplace, there is an emergency. You want local information about whatever this thing is that has just happened. You want to be able to access your local AM radio station. Right. We've heard some people say, well, you know, now people just bring up uh, well, it's whatever they want to hear on their phone or on satellite radio. But that's not live and local. That's not giving you the, the, the details of that given event. Um, in your community. Now, I had a question, and this article does address it, which I'm pleased, because I was wondering why we couldn't do what happened back in the 60s with UHF, mm-hmm. when you know the FCC said, we have to address UHF, we have to make it available on right. televisions, but apparently there was never anything put in law that exactly. said that radio would have to be treated similarly. Now, now, before we go any further, let me just mm-hmm. say that anyone under the age of 30 listening to this has no idea what we're talking about right now. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. But um, but your your point is well taken that, you know, mo- you know, a lot of younger people today don't really listen to AM radio or radio in general. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when there's bad weather, when there's a natural disaster, sure. when there's something that's impacting uh, a part of the city. Um, when the that, satellite is knocked out, exactly, yeah. you want um, your local AM radio station. You know, they're, they're exactly. There's there's a reason why AM radio exists. 
in the first place. For as long as I can remember, AM radio has always been about information and bringing mm-hmm. bringing details to the people. And FM was where all the music was. Mm-hmm. Now it's a little more, you know, it's it's changed over the years. Obviously, you have some FM talk stations, you have some AM music stations, but that's always been the core of it for, for me anyway. For as long as I can yeah. remember. Yeah. And, and let me jump in and address something, and we want to give Tom a chance to jump in too. But there are some people who are trying to – some people want to make everything political. A, this is a bipartisan effort. B, some people are trying to say, oh, it's the liberal left. They don't want AM talk radio, conservative AM talk radio station. Excuse me, BS. That has nothing to do with this. Uh, this is about getting local information in a time of emergency – to people who might not have any other options. Tom, what are you hearing from some of the automotive manufacturers? Uh, in particular, you know what? I'm going to put myself on uh, on pause. Do we need to break now, uh, Julian, or are we okay for about 60 seconds or so? Okay, we're good. Uh, what are you hearing from some of the automotive manufacturers in response to this? I haven't heard anything directly from any of them or officially, but one of the most interesting moves is that Ford, Ford, good old American Ford, is driving AM radio from its uh, next generation of the Mustang. Or maybe they're not, depending on the public reaction to this. But it's just interesting because Europeans have never liked AM radio anyway. They don't use it in Western Europe. They're big. They use FM and shortwave over there. So Mm -hmm. the fact that they've been building cars with AM has been this concession to the U.S. market, Mm -hmm. and now they're just using this this electric car thing as an excuse. Because oh yeah, we. We know it can be done because it's in the the incredibly price effective Chevrolet Volt. Or, mm-hmm. Sorry, Bolt with a B, Bolt EV. Mm-hmm. That vehicle has AM radio. So if they can do it on the thirty thousand dollar Volt, Bolt, they can do it on any car. Yeah, it, and again, as, as far as what they're doing in Europe, uh, Europe never looked at AM radio the way the United States did as no. a an emergency right i mean the ebs everything it's it's on am, AM radio. radio yeah uh tom can you stay with us for just a few minutes on the other side of the news of course and let me tell you uh that 847 says thumbs up tom your website looks great and we agree and the website is consumer guide and we will come back with tom appel so stay with us here on wgn with us on the line for a few more minutes is Tom Appel from Consumer Guy. Aren't you glad you stuck around, Tom? Yeah, I know. But look at it this way, Tom. You have an excuse all day on Sunday. Do absolutely anything you want because you were up in the middle of the night on the radio. Okay? Hello? Is Tom still with us? <laughs> what the heck is going on here? Oh, my gosh. Do we have Tom? I think so. Wow. What the? (laughs) All right. Here's another auto analogy. The wheels are falling off this vehicle. (laughs) Very rapidly. Oh, my goodness. My wheels are falling off. (laughs) This might be my fault. I was checking on my occasional furniture. (laughs) Okay. Uh. (laughs) Just a, a few more minutes with you, Tom. And as I said, you can use this as an excuse to go or do anything or absolutely nothing for yep. the rest of the day today okay so and i will i will if you're just joining us we we're talking about uh, am radio in cars and yes. the fact that now congress in a rare bipartisan move 
uh, has proposed, uh, there is a proposal before Congress that would mandate that AM radio be in all cars, and if it was not going to be in cars, that the purchaser would be really notified uh, with some sticker or something saying, This vehicle is being sold without AM radio. And we should say that AM radio would be available in all cars without an additional cost. Right. Because a lot of people have said, well, sure, they'll they'll make it available, but we're going to have to start paying for it. Yeah. Like you have to pay for a heated steering wheel on some vehicles, yeah. right, Tom? <laughs> Well, we've, yeah, and we've, we've come full circle, too, that uh, AM was a very expensive option in the early 70s. AM was? AM was? Yeah, AM, AM was uh, an option um, in the early days, in the 60s, pretty much into the late 70s, I think, until every car had AM radio standard, yeah. You used to really get a car without a radio at all. Oh, without I, a radio. I do remember, yeah. yeah, you could get a car without a radio. Yeah. Because I I can't recall ever having a car that didn't. And that goes back to our 63 Bel Air. Because I can remember the radio station we were listening to, WGN, on the 63 Bel Air. Well, my 59 Chevy Biscayne, Mm -hmm. AM radio. What was your first car, Tom? Um, My first first car, the first one I ever drove was a 74 Valiant. That was really my dad's car. And that that had two options, an AM radio and an automatic transmission. (laughs) There you go. The only options on that car. (laughs) uh, A listener had texted and said, you know, what is the demand for AM radio? I did come across a, a pretty interesting survey. Now, this specifically is dealing with electric cars and whether or not they'll offer AM radio. Tech Survey 2023 uh, came out with a breakdown and said um, it's consumers, even those who are among the most active radio listeners were polled. Uh, They learned that 12% of the respondents are in the new car market. Even among those core radio listeners, Bluetooth edges out FM radio for the second year in a row, while AM is still in the pack. And it's interesting, they found that um, something like 11% of the people who were looking at buying a vehicle said that not having AM radio would be a deal breaker. 11%. Yeah. 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 And uh, 56% of the people said it really wouldn't make any difference to them. And 31% of the people said it bothers me, I think, twice before purchasing or leasing a vehicle without AM radio. By the way, let me add, if you want to hear a little more uh, from a very knowledgeable voice about the subject of AM radio in cars, go to WGNRadio.com, go to Lisa Dent's page, And click on the link to this story where Lisa spent some time talking with WGN Radio's chief engineer, Bill Murdoch, about AM radio and the importance of AM radio in cars. Mm -hmm. Trust me, Bill knows his stuff, and if we can count him into staying up late one Saturday night, we'll get him on our show, too, because he really presented a little different perspective, very knowledgeable perspective. And as I keep saying, yeah, we got a horse in this race. Yeah, WGN Radio is an AM radio station. Forget all that. In an emergency, satellite goes down. Other stuff ain't happening. Your AM radio is going to provide you local 
emergency information. Yeah. A listener said with the number of tornadoes and bad weather that we deal with, you would think... The increasing number. Yeah, the increasing number. You would think that people would become familiar with where they can get that information. Yes, Mm -hmm. you can get an alarm on your phone, but it's different than getting a breakdown that you might be able to get on your local AM radio station. Uh, And the whole business of EVs and interference, a listener also texts and says... um, Uh, Automakers just don't want to pay for both preventing EMF from their own components. In fact, I read somewhere where this is not a red issue or a blue issue. It's a green issue. Yeah, (laughs) I absolutely agree. Tom, just from, uh, from your knowledge of the automotive industry, who would be or what would be the place for emails, phone calls, whatever, to be directed for people who are concerned about this and want to make sure that AM radio is available in their cars? You know, a good place to go, I mean, obviously you can go directly to your manufacturer, but there are trade publications that are always looking for letters to the editor, and one of them that I recommend is Automotive News. Mm -hmm. Autonews.com, and everyone in the industry reads that, especially anyone who works for a manufacturer. And I think that a flood of email there might be the perfect place to do it. And since we have an actual act that has been proposed, write to your local representatives and Mm -hmm. just say, hey, I want you to support this and give examples, you know, hit them hard with why it's important. Um, I didn't I honestly I did not think in my lifetime I was going to see a, quote, bipartisan anything. Yeah. And it just kind of tickles me that it happens to be on the subject of, of AM radio. Well, yeah, it's interesting too because I think if AM is on the block, FM is shortly thereafter. Well, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of people are yeah. saying FM should be wringing their hands too, saying uh, mm-hmm. we want to step into this uh, fray. We want to show our support because the reality is, you're absolutely right. It's just a matter mm-hmm. of time before they would be the next to go. It, a good example: uh, we just came back from Florida, and the FM station that was. These pretty much the sole broadcast facility that stayed on the air after Hurricane Michael was the FM radio station we consult with in Panama City, Florida. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Out of the whole town. And they had very smartly, they had partnered with the emergency services of Bay County, Florida, and they were literally broadcasting from a bunker giving information the, the local TV stations were off the air. FM stations were off yeah. the air, yeah. except for this radio station, WKGC in Panama City, Florida. Yep. All right, Tom, what's on your agenda for Sunday? What are you going to do for fun? I have to finish my RX350 review. That is the Lexus RX350 oh. F-Sport, and I've got to get that posted. If I don't do it tomorrow, then I haven't finished it in the week I intended to do it. So. <laughs> My, okay. my groggy excuse isn't going to work as well as it should. All right. Okay, uh, two quick questions before you go. One, sure. again, blatant plug for the website, which is? Consumerguide.com. Check it out. If you're not looking for a new car, just go to the blog, because that's where the fun stuff is. Mm-hmm. And question number two. You frequently post celebrity spottings from old yeah. TV shows. <laughs> So who who was your celebrity that was spotted? And, and Tom goes back to things like old Gunsmoke TV shows and stuff like that. So who is the celebrity that you spotted this week? Um, I, I spotted, I don't know if everyone knows who Woody Strode is. 
Um, but but legendary black actor who often had a lot of secondary roles in a lot of westerns. But he was in the opening scene, the dramatic, hyper, entertaining opening scene of Once Upon a Time in the West. Uh-huh. And he was on he was on uh, Rawhide today. And I just I looked at his picture that you posted on your personal page, your Tom Appel page. Yeah, yeah, I know that face. I know him. Oh, of course, I would not know his name though. Woody Strode. Yeah, his name isn't isn't really on everyone's tongue, but he he's a great actor, and he's playing a, a buffalo soldier with an attitude, which is perfect for his character. And the last one I'd seen, I had not seen that one this afternoon, but uh, the skipper from Gilligan's Island was on Rawhide. <laughs> That's a great one. <laughs> you caught that and one, him, and, and then I saw um, uh, Shelley Berman. Berman. On Rawhide. That was awesome. Shelly Berman awesome. on Rawhide? Yes. Yeah. Look at Shelly Berman wearing a bowler hat on <laughs> Rawhide, looking so goofy. You you need to do, to do some... The, you need to have a new segment up on Consumer Guide. It, it should be Tom Spotting, Tom Spotting TV. It's hashtag Star Spotter. Is it? Do other people do this? I mean, are you feeding that information to a site where other people are doing star spotting? No, I just do it. I get a fair amount of feedback from people who also see their own uh, their own star spotters, so it's fun. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I enjoy well, it. Well, thank you, Tom. As always, we really appreciate your joining us a couple times a month. And again, you're getting good feedback from folks who appreciate the fact that your new website looks great on their mobile devices. Uh-huh. That is so good to hear. Yeah, it is. it's supposed to look better on mobile devices. I'm glad. I'm glad people notice that. Yeah, that's wonderful to hear. All right, we'll get to work later today. All, All right. right. Hey, thanks, thanks Tom. Bye bye now. Stay with us. More coming up at WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. Jim Morrison, The Doors. I love it. Break on through. I saw a, a fascinating picture earlier this week of Jim Morrison, and it's Jim Morrison leather suit laying down on stage and singing mm-hmm. right next to that was a picture of gene vincent bebopalula mm-hmm. over in england many years before leather, leather black suit. leather suit laying down on stage really? and apparently uh th- this was on uh, I believe it was on Dickie Harrell's website. For people that don't know, Dickie Harrell was the drummer with Gene Vincent and the Blue Caps on uh, Bebopalula. Apparently, Jim Morrison lived not too far from Gene Vincent when Gene was living in California. And Jim Morrison had always been a real fan hmm. of Gene Vincent. And he kind of copped some of Gene Vincent's moves on stage. Well, to show you where my mind is, I thought you were going to tell me there was Jim Morrison stretched out on the stage in his leather pants. Kermit the Frog. (laughs) I seriously thought you were going to tell me that somebody had photoshopped that. Kermit the Frog. Could somebody do that for me? It would make me very happy if you did. Break on through the other side. Uh, 312-981-7200. That Lisa Dent interview with Bill Murdoch was great. Get him on the radio with you, too. We plan on doing that. Uh, this texter said, I worked for 30-plus years in the cellular industry. I don't trust it in an emergency. We need AM radio. And we always give an example of cell service. Mm-hmm. 
the the frailty of cell service, the Boston bombing. Sure. Uh, there was very serious evidence that uh, some of the bombs were being set by cell phones. So what do we do? We turn off cell service. They were worried that it would be a cell phone would trigger the bomb. Trigger it, yes. And so turned off cell service. And people were freaking out because they weren't able to make a phone call. They didn't know what was going on unless they turned on their radio. And that's how they found out. The police were going door to door. They were looking for... <clears throat> who they thought was the bomber that they ultimately found, I think, in a boat in somebody's backyard. But they had turned off cell service for fear that somebody could open up their phone and that would trigger the bomb to go off. Well, I will also... I'll go back to Hurricane Michael. Mm -hmm. Gulf Coast of Florida. Cell phone service was non-existent for... Many days after Hurricane Michael destroyed the yeah. cell towers. Yes. So think about this. Cell service is not available. I remember your dad, because we were worried yeah. about your dad. Your dad had to drive to another county to be able to try to make a cell phone call and back to us. It was so overloaded, remember? He said, I may lose you in a couple of seconds yep. because they're telling me in the parking lot of this grocery store that you're not able to keep your service very long. I'm okay. Boom. He was gone. So so think about this. Emergency, cell towers down for mm. days the two major local TV stations knocked off the air. They were only communicating through Facebook. And as I said earlier, the radio station we consult, not because we consulted, because their management was smart enough to partner with the emergency services of Bay County, was the only source of local information on the yeah. The newspapers were not printing. I mean... The point is, you really, really need to make sure that you will have access to local information that is not tied to a cell tower, that is coming from an independent local radio station. AM gets out farther than FM does. But the point is, and no, we're not Luddites. We embrace digital technology having said that ain't nothing wrong with making sure you still got some old standbys you mm-hmm. just shouldn't be using your phone while driving oh uh, yeah. you sing it amen yeah and and by the way i'm i'm going to dance around something but i'm going to tease you intentionally in a couple of weeks we have a new sponsor that's going to be joining mm, us yes and we're going to be sharing some information that is relevant to this conversation mm-hmm. uh about uh well, technology, but it is, um, but yeah, just be here. Yeah. Just be here. That's all we'll and, say. And we'll let you know when it happens. Yes. <laughs> you, you'll be the second to know. Yes, that? exactly. Uh, it is time now at one thirty for a news update on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. That is our friend Corky Siegel. I'm a hog for you, baby. And you want to be here next week because... Corky's going to be live in the studio with us, and he's bringing his friend Ernie, Ernie Watts. Watts. Yes, that's going to be fun. Last they, time we had the two of them in studio, it was just a hoot. They are so funny together, and so incredibly talented. They had a show just last night. I think it was at the Mackinac Center. Mm-hmm. Got a, a 
five or six shows over the next uh, Mm -hmm. month and we're just so lucky that they've got a saturday night that they could sneak in here and hang out with us for a while i'm pretty sure they're going to be coming in here after doing a show Mm -hmm. they're going to be up in madison i think on friday night um yeah corky's he's he's just scary good corky has been a long time friend uh corky and i worked together Back uh, in 1960-something, uh, <laughs> that's when we first uh, were just worked together. We were. Yes. Just. And hog for your baby. I remember the first time I met Corky, I was nervous because when I was away at college at the University of Tennessee, we loved the Siegel Schwal album mm-hmm. on Wooden Nickel record. Yeah. Uh, wood, out, the Wooden out Nickel of, out of Chicago. Label. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we played the daylights out of this because the school, I was at the branch of the University of Tennessee that was the agriculture school. Isn't that smart? I actually went there because there were 14 guys to every girl. Okay. So that was my girlfriend and I said, yeah, yeah, we think we can go there. We can come from Chicago and go there and teach them a thing or two. She stayed. She's still there. Uh, right there in the town where the University of Tennessee is. But uh, Hog for Your Baby always makes me think about that year that yeah. we just we wore that album out and, you know, turned it up on our um, uh, we had the four speakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, quad- Quadra- quadraphonic. quadraphonic. Yeah, yeah. Quadraphonic sound. Was yeah. it, I didn't know that one was issued. It probably wasn't, but we had four speakers anyway. <laughs> I think the only quad album we still have is... I know Doobie Brothers' Blackwater was. We have an unopened copy, and I wonder what this thing would be worth. Hmm. An unopened copy of the Elvis Aloha from Hawaii that was issued in Quadraphonic. Quadraphonic. Now, quadraphonic was four four speakers. Yeah. Literally, you would put <clears throat> two speakers in the, the front of the room, two speakers in the back of the room, and if you sat in the middle, it's like you were oh, surrounded perfect. by all the music. In a dormitory, it was perfect. And so right in the middle of the room, we could have as many as 14 people sitting to listen to the Doobie mm-hmm. Brothers with Black Water because they played it up beautifully in quadraphonic because it would bounce all around you. Mm-hmm. At least that's how I remember it. <laughs> I wonder, were any of the Moody Blues albums done in quad? We didn't have them. Jethro Tull, we had Jethro Tull yeah. in quadraphonic. Bungle in the Jungle was popular. In quadraphonic. In quadra- it was, <laughs> oh, after the... I'm sorry. Uh, I appreciate After the Jethro- second time. <laughs> I appreciate Jethro Tull. Bungle in the Jungle, no. which over on the Once Big 89, we had to play about every 90 minutes because it was in a high rotation. I'm sorry. I got sick of that song. <laughs> I got sick of it after the third just- time. It's just a stupid song. And it's not... <laughs> I don't think it's instrumentally that exciting no, it's, it's i mean okay. black water may not be the deepest lyrics but instrumentally well, black it's, water it's is cool. funky yeah it's a very cool song try to think it's a very cool song <laughs> some other one. i wonder oh. if anybody now i would imagine no one listening to us right now got that reference i didn't it's a very nice dance i don't what is it Julian, can you dig up Cinnamon Cinder? Let's see if you can find it. Cinnamon Cinder, S-E-N-D-E-R? Cinnamon is C-I-N-D-E-R. Oh, as, as in cinders. Yeah. I know that song. 
was out in the late 50s, early 60s. Hmm. One hit, I don't even remember who did it. Oh, speaking of one hit wonders, we oh, connected. Yes. We connected yes. with Wayne Jansig. We did finally after yes. after months of trying to to find where the boy was and, and and he would occasionally call us, we'd get a message from him, we'd call, call him, him back, back and wouldn't connect. Speak. And it, I think it went on for a year. But okay, I'm gonna hit the pause button. Mm-hmm. But speaking of one hit wonders It's a very nice dance. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very nice oh dance. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You are just filled with minutia. Yeah, and your just point is jam packed with minutia. What did we have for dinner yesterday? Uh, what did we have for dinner yesterday? Where are your socks? Oh, now that's the impossible question because you keep moving them. <laughs> because I have you put so them much in a drawer time. With the forks. <laughs> that keep moving on you. <laughs> Plus your heart, you can never find a fork. You stand, speaking of being in the middle of the room, you stand in the middle of the kitchen and say, but where are they? Because you keep moving them. Again, I have so much time on my hands. Yes. I just move you your do. socks and the forks. Yes, you do. <laughs> it's the so, evil side of Johnny. We connected with Wayne Jancic, and Wayne has written a new book. And we, no, we should back up. Again, for people who haven't been with us for all of our lives. A hundred years, yes. Uh, one of the things we did for a lot of years, we would periodically do collectible shows. One of the shows was Collectible Records and One Hit Wonders. And Wayne Jancic wrote the Billboard book of One Hit Wonders. We wrote the foreword for the book. Wayne would join us. Once a month. And we would do some One Hit Wonder trivia, and we would try to seek out Someone who was a one-hit wonder. That's how we first came to meet Screaming Jay Hawkins. This is true. And we had Wayne Jancic on. It was August of 1990. It was the very first time we had him on because I'd purchased the book for you in London in July of 90. Mm -hmm. It was your birthday present. And you flipped it over. I'll never forget. You looked on the back of the book and you said, he's a Chicagoan. Yeah. And sure enough, we tracked him down, and he became, uh, he was the only guest that we had. I think he missed four times in in and, 20 and years. Was it the, it was the revised edition that we wrote the forward yes, for? Yes, we wrote the forward for the yeah. revised edition, which is still available on Amazon and eBay. But his new book is also dealing with music, and he's very excited about it. He wrote it during the pandemic. When he was very isolated, and uh, he has a publisher, and he says it looks like it's going to be released this year. And, and the bottom line is that we are going to, A, be doing various collectible shows. Music is going to be one of them, and What Hit Wonders will be a part of that. And Wayne Jancic will be joining yep. us once again on the air at WGN Radio, and we're very excited about it that. It was so nice to connect with yeah. him, because it was really getting to be weird. I mean... Well, you say weird, and you think Wayne. Well, this so, is true. So that, you know, we should. And he's okay with that. He yeah. wallows in his weirdness. Uh, speaking of wallowing in weirdness, uh, they're starting to flick the lights. I know. And, and you, that means you know what I heard? What I heard the big floor sweeper, that big yep. buffer. The guys firing up the yep. buffer out in the hall. That's it. Yep. They're, they're flicking the lights. It's gonna okay. be the last call. So, if you want to uh, try to be the last. Uh, our last caller, and the way this works is you pick up your phone and you <laughs> dial 312-981-7200, and Julian will uh, take a bunch of calls, 
mm-hmm. and then we will arbitrarily pick a number, and that person will be the last caller, and we'll win some goodies right. Right. from WGN Radio. He will tell us how many calls are in the bank, and then we will choose a number, and this week it's my turn to choose the number, Okay, and that person will be, you know what I was thinking? We should come up with a last texter. Like, have a time limit and say, if you're the last one in at this particular time, and that's too complicated. Uh, I don't, I don't, okay, I know. You're giving me that look like, that's no fun. Why are you doing this? You're ruining a good thing. You're ruining a good thing. Boy, you're never going to find your socks, and there won't be a fork to be found in our house when you get home. <laughs> Everything I want to say would turn this place into a parking lot. Uh, okay, we'll take a break and uh, more coming up. Stay with us at WGN. You don't have to go home. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you yeah, kind of do. do. You really, you have to go home. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we have to go home and have supper. I know that yep. seems so wrong, but it's so right in our world. Yes. <laughs> we ate breakfast yesterday. <laughs> That's the last time we ate. We did. That's, that's absolutely true. <laughs> of course, breakfast was three o'clock in the afternoon, yeah, but that's the point a is. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we heard that there was a whole bunch of people that called in, and we got to choose a number. And I decided to be real creative and go with number one. Okay. Number one. And number one would be uh, Chris. Hey, Chris, you're on WGN. Hi, Chris. Hi. Hi, Chris. How are you? I am fine. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> kind of losing it here in the last few minutes, but fine. Where are you calling from? From Highland, Indiana. I know it well. Mm-hmm. Yes. I know. You're from Munster, right? Well, my brother lives in Munster. Steve so used to work right. in Gary. and uh, I, I used to work at uh, WJOB in Hammond and then at uh, WLTH in Gary. Mm-hmm. Right. Highland's a lovely little town. Munster and Highland, I love both of those. And Crown Point. I do love Crown Point, too. In fact, uh, Highland used to have one of our favorite theaters, the Town Theater. Yes. Yeah. Did you ever go there? Um, No. <laughs> oh. It was so wonderful because it was family-owned, and they would stop the movie. You'd have an intermission. You'd go out to the lobby, and they would have homemade goodies. Yes. And you would take some cookies, and you'd stand around and talk about the movie, and then go back and sit down again and finish the movie. It was one of my favorite theaters. Yeah. And that wasn't 100 yeah. years ago. It really wasn't. Can I ask you a question before we move on, Chris? Sure. If, yeah. you, if you put ice cream in a soda, what do you call it? If you put ice cream uh, in a Coke or a root beer. A float. A float. Yes. Okay. Exactly. I feel better. Because I told yeah, Steve. Like a, there, a root beer float or a Coke yeah, float. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or, uh, let's see, Coke is black cow and one is uh, yeah. uh, something else. Anyway, th- there, are, right. there are a series of videos that are floating around on TikTok and they've gone viral and people are going to, apparently the only place where you can get Mountain Dew is at Taco Bell. So they go to Taco Bell and they get a big soda and they either drink a third of it or they toss it out or they say, don't fill it up. And then they drive over to McDonald's real quick and they get an ice cream cone. And then they're videoing themselves as they go, look, you put the ice cream in the soda. Is this the coolest thing ever? And they don't know what to call it. Like, Everything old is new again. What? You don't know. Yeah. What to, you don't know what to call it. It's ice no, cream in a Mountain Dew. No, it's a float. It's a float. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that goes back to when I was in grade school back yeah, in the fifties. Always been a float. I mean, 
prehistoric right. days it was a float. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> Why are you up at this hour, Chris? Oh, I sew. So. Oh, well, that's good. Nighttime is a good time to sew. Yeah. Well, what are you sewing right now? Um, oh, nothing right now. I just finished making some pillows. Pillows? Okay. Do you do it for your own enjoyment? Just something that, that Chris likes to do? or? Uh, I do it for people. I do alterations. Oh. I do a lot of things. Oh, and you're, the pillows, I make them for my daughter. Well, you know, doing alterations, you're a rare and wonderful human being because there are not a lot of people who are willing to do that these yeah. days. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. Uh, I follow a woman on Facebook who will take your dress, whatever your dress is, if it is not exactly the way you want it, she will remake it. And she puts up the video of the whole process. And the things that people will send her with a sketch of what they want, it's like night and day. People, wow. they, they, the only thing that's similar is the material. And it's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you are going to receive, since you are our last caller for tonight, you're going to receive an exclusive, real, honest-to-goodness WGN Radio Retro Logo t-shirt. And you're going to get your very own American Weathermaker desktop weather station. And if you've been around for a while, you know there were there was a time a while back when Wally Phillips used to give away the uh, Seymour Payson scarf. Well, this is the equivalent. This has become the hot collectible. So one is going to be in your hot hands, Chris. And thank you so much for listening. And hold on, and we'll get all of your personal information off the air. (laughs) And we'll know where to get our alterations done. Once again, oh boy, was this a fast five hours. Thank you so much for, for hanging out with us. And don't forget to check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny Show. And we would like it if you would, uh, Check out our blog. Yeah, we're remiss. We haven't uh, done a blog post in a while. We're going to do that uh, this week. So that's stephenjohnny.wordpress.com. Next week, right here, Corky mm-hmm. Siegel, Ernie Watts, performing live in studio. Yep, and a whole bunch of surprises, too. Yes. So be there or be square.